This is former World Wrestling Federation superstar Duke the Dumpster Drosy, and you are listening to BBGWrestling.com. It's time to take out the trash. and welcome to another episode of Turn Shuttle on bbgwrestling.com. I am Pablo and with me is the Hollywood blonde to my yellow dog. <laughs> it's Tempest, hello. Hello. What, what are we talking about today, I wonder? <laughs> yeah, today, after we've got through some interesting questions, we'll be covering Brian Pillman. Because recently there's been a really good two-part Dark Side of the Ring with Brian Pillman. I don't know why I was struggling to say Dark Side <laughs> of the Ring. Like William Shatner. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that really well covered the behind-the-scenes events in Brian's life. Much better than us two divvies ever could as well. <laughs> so we thought today we would talk about the kind of storyline path of the loose cannon rather than the behind-the-scenes real-life Brian Pillman loose cannon thing yeah. to kind of partner up with that. I don't know if it was a... Um, if it was a... Not a hoax, but like a marketing employee, but uh, Pro Wrestling Tees have made a t-shirt, another Pillman-style shirt, uh, mm. with the four of the, with the logo over the top of his yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, Well, they've done one of his sister. Um, <laughs> I saw they've done one of his auntie. Yeah. It's ca- pretty awesome. Oh, the cat's already making a, a bit of no a... better than a ball with a bell in it when you're recording or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so, and uh, it's definitely, um, I don't think interest in Brian Pillman went away, but I think it's uh, definitely researched... Um, you know, ideas for like sort of uh, merchandise and all that kind of stuff. So like, I'm I'm always up for new Brian Pillman merchandise. Um, it introduces a younger audience to Pillman and gives them a kind of platform to start with his son as well, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it does. And I, I very much enjoyed the the dark side of the ring. It was uh, it was beautiful. I mean, how how can you not love Brian Pillman Junior. coming up? Coming uh, out you know. Um, so yeah, no. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna go into uh, Brian Pillman's uh, kind of on screen. Um, storylines, etc. But uh, we're going from uh, what time period? Uh, for me, I think the loose cannon character starts from Roundabout Bash at the Beach '95. Mm-hmm. It's not so much like what you see Brian do at Bash at the Beach because you don't. It's the storyline that starts <laughs> that has him in it. So I'm afraid it means we'll have to go back to Kevin Sullivan's very own Terra Tweenies again the Dungeon of Doom so Vader was sided with Flair with the noble goal of destroying Hulkamania in 1995 the blow off match to the Vader Hogan feud was going to be at Bash at the Beach 95 which was on an actual beach and actually sucked <laughs> And <laughs> didn't sell any tickets as well. Yeah, that, that, superb visual. That well, that's the thing. That's what I loved about WCW is that they would not just waste money; they would also actively decide Avoid to make it. no money <laughs> <laughs> just for a cool Dodge visual. That payday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it um, it looked fun. 
I really like the visual of it. In, in some ways, most of it's so shit you can enjoy it anyway. Like having the match taped for Baywatch on that pay-per-view. Don't you think there should be more of a Baywatch crossover as well? Ah, definitely. Wouldn't it have been a well, the episode of Baywatch is class. That's on Amazon Prime at the minute. Yeah. Or wouldn't it have been a, a bit of a coup, though, considering Pamela Anderson was at the Rumble and Mania that year to get her on? Ah, never really thought Because it wasn't like a star was waning at that point. Surely... No, she was like right on top. She was right on top of Tommy Lee. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, uh, maybe she had a fill of rest. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised after the shit show experience she had. Before. Have to sit through Royal Rumble '95. <laughs> every, every time the camera cuts to her, she's just like, you can see the little red light on the camera where she's just like, and you know. But um, she, as an actress, you think she would be able to do a better job of. Uh, as it's really hard to pretend you enjoyed Royal Rumble '95. Like. <laughs> I do love that. I think it was. Um, it might be, it wasn't Dick Murray. it was one of the wrestlers got thrown over the top rope and landed maybe about a foot away from Pamela Anderson and about 10 security guards. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think that the crowd behind her directly were probably plants as well, just in case anyone yeah, tried to yeah. get her from behind, which is understandable. Sound really. thinking, really, she was a big but, star. Like. But who did they have a, a score to the ring, Pat Patterson? There's <laughs> <laughs> no chance he's going to touch her, was there? <laughs> <laughs> Noted shooter, Pat Patterson, though. Aye. If you wanted to scare people, you know. <laughs> Big scary part. Big scary. <laughs> so, you should, could have put him in the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> Pat the Scary, because that's about the level of the gimmicks in the Dungeon of Doom, oh, isn't it? Would Pat the Scary Mary be too politically incorrect? I'm gay, so it's fine, I can say it. Right. Anyway. So I, and I do love Pat Patterson, by the way. So oh, yeah. me too. Yeah. Can, can I add as well, is there anything more Hogan than... The third match in a three-match series being won by Hogan as the blow-off after he won the first two. (laughs) Is there any need for a blow-off match? He won two already. Apparently this pissed Flair off so much that he actually quit as the booker. He's just like so mad about A, just generally appalled at the Dungeon of Dyer, and B, just the general handling of Vader. I feel bad any time Flair becomes head booker in WCW. Like, you know, potentially... He's improving things, and then something will come along like Jim. Hurt, and <laughs> just time to shit on you. I never wanted it in the first place. And it wasn't I just like, wanted to go. Woo. Well, that's the thing as well. It wasn't like Flair was just making himself champion. He might have been champion, but he was also making big names. I yeah, mean, if, yeah, you, yeah. if you go back to, I mean, it's been talked about. If you go back to eighty nine, ninety, one of the names that he wanted to make a star of was Brian Pillman. Yeah. And and I mean, he he did his best. And you I know, thought Pillman would have made a cool horseman, to be honest. He did. No, but I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, if you went back to back that then. kind of period, like, rather well, than a Paul Roma type, perhaps, you could have brought in Brian Pillman. Well, if you look, I mean, even, like you say, in the 89-90, when the Horseman was very much in flux, on yeah. until he were away, JJ was, was away. Aye, um, revolving door, wasn't it? It was Hiro Matsuda. <laughs> like he would again be the pointless answer of horsemen <laughs> that is, was that where there was like a corporation owned the horseman or something dumb like that which, which is a very Ted Turner taking over WCW storyline ah, idea isn't it suddenly I'm, cheesy and shit Got a cinematic yeah, well, I can't believe they didn't put Ted is like the new manager of the horse. To be fair, would it give them some credit? Ted Turner. Well, oh, he's just going to take time out of his busy day being Ted Turner to be a manager for the four horsemen. <laughs> Jesus was, Christ! He was a wrestling fan. He's, he wouldn't be. The, well, he wouldn't it be the first. Pretty fan. important though. Well, yeah, I mean, but I, I, I was going to say Tony Khan's pretty important, but he's not. He's just rich. He's <laughs> just rich. Um, but yeah, no, I, I understand what you mean though. They, they could have had like you know, the, when you look at that roster in eighty nine ninety, and I know we're skip to night five but 
Um, when you look at like the just the genuine sports stars and athletes oh, that they had on that roster, I mean, forget about the ding dongs and the hunchbacks and all that. There's so much. It's like when you watch um, the Black Scorpion Starcade. If you take out the lunatic yeah. match at the end, it's an amazing <laughs> pay-per-view. And then there's just this sudden weird cartoony shit at the end. But the thing is, though, it wasn't like the people portraying these characters weren't some of the best workers. No, in the no, world, no, no absolutely they? not. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's the same thing I say with loads of those WWE gimmicks in '96. Yeah. Like everyone acts like the guys playing them are shit. They're not. The gimmick is shit. The guys playing them aren't shit. Yeah. Oh, it was all those Smoky Mountain names. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, the, the um, to show you what the thought of uh, Pillman at that time, they cut Pillman out of uh, the Starcade '90 video. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's just like, why wouldn't you have someone as good looking as that? As He's athletic, so dynamic. Dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't a dude. No, no, um, God, no. Oh, no skateboard. I don't like skateboards in wrestling then, and I don't like them now. Doesn't matter whether it's a dynamic dude acting like a ninja turtle, or whether it's bloody creepy goth Bart Simpson in his hot pants. I don't want skateboards. How easily could it have happened, though, that Pillman, having that look and being Could have young, been a dynamic dude. Could have been a big, cool, permed mullet, and that, thank God he wasn't. Yeah. I was watching a, I was watching a clash recently, and they were like, come and see the WCW, Brian Pillman. And they, they had clips of... They might have already filmed some matches of him, because I don't think they took any um, Calgary Stampede footage or anything like that. But it was just like... It was so... Current. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was so... We have our finger on the pulse of a cool young wrestler, aye, and you know then put my zinc, but you know. <laughs> um, but to be fair, the, the Pillman and Zank against Midnight Express match was one of my favourite tag matches. I don't. I like them as a team. <laughs> they were cool, but I think you know. I think it's safe to say Pillman was definitely. Well, yeah, he was the better one, but I still like the team. The- Every team has to have a Zack Ryder. Have <laughs> <laughs> we started? Oh, can I? Oh, no, I won't get into Zack Ryder. Um, Nobody ever has. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> to prepare for this bash at the beach oh, and to yeah. like rehabilitate Vader so he could get organised again, uh, yeah. he did something called the Roadkill Tour, which I thought was really cool. And it, I mean, it's not as cool as it sounds. I want it to be a wild cooking show about like barbecue and badgers <laughs> and like frying foxes and that. It's not that kind of weird character. But he like went to different indies and local territories and that and did squash matches. Did he? So essentially, Vader just turns up in a southern indie promotion, brays someone, and it gets filmed as content, and then that was being sent to WCW. Smart. I mean, did, was, did he still have Harley races as manager at that point? I can't remember if Harley went on the tour. I would have thought not. Yeah. To be honest. Um, in fact, no, because Harley wasn't managing him by Bash at the Beach anyway. I was wondering how Harley got let go or whether he chose to retire. I can't or... actually remember. Um, well, I mean, it, it's pretty chaotic then, isn't it, when you're looking at some of that stuff in that time period, like 94, I think it is, when Harley leaves. Like, someone will take correct us, I'm sure. Well, he didn't make it on the Night Row era. But, I mean, no, did, was Vader, Vader was never on the Night Row, was no, he? No, he wasn't. He was scheduled to be, but then he let the incident happened and he left just before it started. But it would have been an odd visual to see Vader on a Night Row. I, I mean, to he's, a, he's in the end, uh, the opening intro. Yes, he is. I mean, but to a point, though, I think it's odd now seeing Brian Pillman on a Night Row. Because like, he wasn't there. I know long. what you mean because he's not there in the like super period of Nitro. Mm-hmm, especially with the loose cannon thing. Yeah. Like, you know, um, I think a lot of people forget how much of the genesis of the loose cannon started in WCW as well. Oh, 100%. That's what I wanted to cover today because a lot of people act like it starts when he turns up in ECW. Yeah. That's why I wanted to go in quite a lot of like detail on those run of like four months for pay per views <clears> and the <throat> Nitros and what have you in the run to him getting there. Mm-hmm. 
So, at this event... Oh, by the way, the Roadkill Tour. Someone I thought you'd find cool. When they went to Memphis, because they did a one in Memphis, at the same show that Vader appeared to do his squash match, The Undertaker was working the show. And, like, Jerry Jarrett managed to have WCW and WWF both appear on the same show That's at the it. same time. And this was something that, like, apparently McMahon was really mad about and, like, demanded never happened again. <laughs> the, you know, the dirt sheets confirm that McMahon has to be a very special boy, get extra tickles under his chin, because he is a special boy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Don't have nobody else on your show. <laughs> But so, the thing is, but, but at that time period, though, he was also more open to having his wrestlers working other companies. Yeah. But it's just like... I wonder if this is what stopped it. <laughs> I mean, mate, but it, it wouldn't have been out of the question that if a big show is going to happen by an independent company or by, like, a territory, that they're going to get big names wherever they can. Oh, like, yeah, you know absolutely, I mean? like, absolutely. As long as you don't... Especially in 1995. It wasn't exactly a booming time for them, was it? No, no. So, um, after that, as you would expect... Hogan defeated Vader a bash at the beach. Yeah, Hogan's gonna hug. But Flair comes out and confronts Vader afterwards. And very theatrically explains how three counts work. Just keeps crawling around on his knees and going, one, two, three, on the floor to Vader. Like, that's how long you should have held him up for. And Vader just gets really pissed off and goes to batter Flair. Flair has to make the escape out the cage with his beautiful Arthur Scargill haired friend Arn Anderson. And this leads to a clash of the champions where Vader beats the pair of them as a, a handicap match. I've two on one. I have not seen this. See, this is what starts the animosity between Flair and Arn, which is how Brian gets involved. Right. And that's why I trace the loose cannon back to that bash at the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, come the first Nitro, everything's getting worse there. When Arn comes out looking like a 90s PE teacher and lets Rick know how disappointed he is in him now. I don't know if that's because of his scary haircut that he's got at the time, like Aaron Carter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of weird. The, the thing is, as well, though, like in terms of how Pillman looked, he still had the Hollywood blonde mullet, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He had the curly, the curly mullet. Yeah. But he wasn't. Also, his gear changes like multiple times per show at this point. There's like no pattern to the kind of outfits and look that he wears. If anything, he went mental with the wardrobe first before he went completely loose <laughs> This is to build to a match at Fall Brawl between Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Pillman opens it against Johnny B. Bad, has an absolutely amazing match where yeah. Pillman is still a face and they're like congratulating each other in the run up to it, you know, like on Saturday night. Um, and he said Saturday night's main event, obviously not. WCW Saturday night. They'd been saying, like, oh, you're really great, but you're not going to win. Ah, you're really great, but you're not going to win. And, like, it was all still very kind of respectful. Mm. When it comes to their match, the only thing I could think looking at them, though, was it did look like Little Richard versus one of Little Texas. So we could have had, like, a rock and roll versus country match on Fall Brawl, which would have been so WCW to do, wouldn't it? (laughs) We've got to say as well, like, the the Fall Brawl generally across the card, it's... Unlike WCW ninety five, like, there was not. It's a really good card. It's really really good. Like, and if if we could buy any merch, if we want to get on hidden treasures, I need to get that cow print motorbike jacket <laughs> that Brian Pillman wears for his Little Texas versus Little Richard match. <laughs> Battle of the Littles. <laughs> so yeah, whoever was going to win that was going to get the face Sting for the US title, and uh, Johnny B. Bad won that. So Pillman. Didn't have to decide whether he wanted to be a cowboy or a biker with his cowboy bike jacket. And he didn't have to face Sting for the US title. Mm. 
Did do you find that Johnny B. Barnes' name leads to some real difficulty for commentators? Because they're like, with a bad hip toss, that's a bad arm drag. And it just sounds like they're just critiquing him, going, that shit. God, that shit. The finishing, the names are finishing with the bad mood and the bad <laughs> landing yeah, one. Good lord. Well, what was, it reminded me immediately of uh, the first time Brian Pillman took on Johnny B. Bad on WCW pay per view when he was Yellow Dog. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not familiar with the Yellow Dog, um, I don't know, I honestly don't know what led to it. I'm guessing Pillman lost maybe a loser leaves or something like that and then showed up in a yellow mask and it was obviously him. <laughs> not just a yellow mask, a Labrador. He actually brings a Labrador to the ring with him as well and on this match with Pillman against Johnny B. Bad, Pillman goes up to the camera and his unmistakable voice, and this is cut out of the network, uh, he goes, Johnny B. Bad, Johnny B. Gay! <laughs> 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 Wow. And uh, yeah, Antonio just like... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is actually cut out of the network, but they blame technical difficulties, and I'm just like, yeah, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Political, technical <laughs> difficulties. <laughs> Do you notice some of the weird stuff with the commentary and that as well? Like, you talked last week or the week before about Bobby Heenan sometimes being dated. They're having this, like, really technical match between the two of them. And uh, <laughs> they... Tony says, like, they're doing everything it takes to win. And Heenan goes, they have not done everything it takes to win. Tony goes, all right. And he's like, they need to use a pipe wrench. All right. (laughs) Okay, Bobby. No, someone would die then. That's a stupid idea. Bobby's already checked out. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Also, you didn't get made number one contender, according to the mighty buffer. (laughs) You got made the mandatory challenger. (laughs) Sounds like it's a punishment. It's like... I would have made a punishment like if you lose this you have to join the Dungeon of Doom or you like get threatened with Evad Sullivan's pet bunny the, the original bad bunny of wrestling but no, no if you win this you become the mandatory challenger you can tell how pissed off Heenan is as well when Johnny B. Bad wins after it's gone to sudden death he goes this is for you I love you ma and Heenan goes I love you ma I did it ma no one cares about you ma <laughs> and Sh- Shivani starts talking and, free- and Heenan just freaks out he just like stands up and shouts at someone in the audience and goes see me you kid and they're like whoa and go away he'd <laughs> only been there for a year by this point he's just already to mad drive him to <laughs> alcoholism on camera like- <laughs> pretty much I like the idea that he's probably got a little mini bar behind his uh, commentary <laughs> table. You know. He probably did. <laughs> so Pillman, have we've just seen as a face, mm. he comes out during the Arn and Flair match, and uh, he jumps up, kicks Flair in the back of the head, and this lets on DDT Flair. Now that we've seen the heel turn from Brian Pillman, yep. and this lets on beat Ric Flair deep in. Horseman country, aren't they? At Asheville, I believe, isn't it? Believe so it the crowd are like, <gasps> the idea of seeing Ric Flair get beat. There's something they did in that match, which I've only seen them do a handful of times, like they do it at Starcade 97 that I liked. But because this match is important, wrestlers come out to sit in the crowd. Yeah. You've got like the first time between Arn and Rick. I thought that was a really nice touch. They, they built it up very well. And Arn, uh, uh, sorry, Bobby Heenan, you, like, he did a great job of being good. Yeah. That they were fighting each other as well because yeah, he yeah, had a history did. with the both of them as well. And yeah, no good stuff. That really was. Did, did you notice though that Pillman had made a costume change already again? So he'd been the biker bovine from Mars earlier on, but at this point he comes out dressed like a bottle of Jean Paul Gaultier. <laughs> He's just got like the like, stripy sailor shirt on and all that. Like, all right. <laughs> but this this moment, I think, is the first like if you want to say the first real shot of being the loose cannon. 
this leads towards Halloween Havoc. So Flair and Pillman, main event uh, Nitro not long after. And that's when you really see the actual character change. So you know how like on the first Nitro, he's against Thunder Liger mm-hmm. and he's very much flying Brian. Like even the kind of, some of the character changes he'd been making on television before Nitro where he'd been being more ground based and being a bit more like hard hitting. Yeah. That was all like thrown out the window for the Liger match and he was just flying Brian again. When he's wrestling against Flair here, and like in the other enhancement talent matches in the weeks round, he's adding the like mental angry face and all that, and that's why there's times where Flair's looking at him like a bit, what are you doing? And you never really know whether that's like Ric Flair the character or Ric Flair the man at this point, which I think's really interesting. Yeah. The, <laughs> there's a part where uh, Flair <laughs> taps Pillman out, and Bobby Heenan goes, and go to your room. <laughs> It's quite good because it's just like, no, Sonny, Dad's going to put you in the figure four. <laughs> There's a, to be fair to Bobby, I'm, I'm ripping on him here. There's a really good commentary thing he does in this match as well. Because when he's knocked down in the corner, Flair gets up and he turns like the long way away from Pillman. Right. Rather than turning straight to him with his left shoulder. And Bobby Heenan's like, whoa, you don't want to offer him your back. And he's like talking about it like proper wrestling, you know. You get grabbed from the back, that's how you get pinned. And I was like, oh, wow, Bobby, where did that come from? Probably Put the from, pipe wrench away. I was going to say, it's probably from Bo- Bobby offering him his back. On, on pay-per-view when Pillman went for his, uh, for his jacket. <laughs> we do get to that, okay. <laughs> as you might imagine. Um, Pillman starts cutting promos here where he's becoming really intense in the Nitros and the run-up to Halloween Havoc and he seems like he has the slightest elements of that old Hollywood blonde Pillman do they gi- not much do they give a reason why he held on? Uh, he's just kind of recruited right okay I don't really remember them saying specifically why but mm. it's just that Brian Pillman comes out and that you're kind of distracted a lot by how he's practically foaming at the mouth straight away yeah um, is, it, is he still got like mullet is he still mullet pillman at this point because I can't yeah, he's got the long curly hair but it's like it's more like Sammy Hagar hair now rather than like the old mullet that he used to have yeah I just can't imagine it you know what I mean like uh, sort of that period uh, post Hollywood Blondes if you even look at like promotional pictures of him and stuff like he's not smiling anymore even if he's a face yeah. and it is like maybe he's a conscious effort to get away from smiley that's what I thought with know. the like more ground based stuff and all of those jobber yeah. matches where he starts like pounding on people rather than doing like attractive and athletic moves and that yeah um, he seems to like see himself as a Nitro founding father in one of these promos though because he's like we we have the right to bear arms the right to <laughs> assemble and the right to hospitalise anyone in our path Ooh, and does like a ghosty <laughs> Ric Flair it's just like ah that's good and you keep seeing arms eyes like dart towards him like what's going on here mm. <laughs> that is my favourite thing of all of this general story arc is the moments where you see people like Sullivan and Flair and Arn Anderson's eyes flash towards him, like, what the fuck's this guy doing? Yeah. Quite often, you can see the slightest character breaks. It's so good. So, in your opinion, though, how... I mean, they obviously know generally where the storyline's going. How in on some of the things Pillman's going to say do you think they are? I really don't think very much at all. Right. There's, like, one promo later on where Arn and Flair <laughs> are both in the ring. And as they're talking, Brian Pillman's like dropping down on his knees and crawling around and going, ah, and making all these like noises and gestures at the camera. Right. And Flair keeps being, he like says, let's calm it down, buddy, or something in the middle of the promo. It's just like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so do you, I can imagine then that, you know, they get backstage and Arn's giving them like a proper stern talking to. 
<laughs> I, I can imagine. Actually, I don't know because they always seem a bit nervous around him. Mm. Like I don't know if it's the thing he's gone mad rather than he's being unprofessional. <laughs> like you get a cage match where uh, <laughs> Ric Flair comes out in a little fruity purple robe and he's like holding it up at the front <laughs> like he's on Downton Abbey or something. <laughs> I thought he was going to curtsy before he got in the cage. It's like proper gorgeous George looking stuff. Like. Flair ends up belting Pillman in the face when he's on the top of the cage and Pillman falls out and the crowd really scream for that. Mm-hmm. And like the the crowd are, I think, pretty well suckered in for what's coming at Halloween Havoc as we know it. Pillman ends up, when he was up there and got belted and fell off, he'd given some brass knuckles to Arn Anderson for this cage match. So then Arn knocks Flair out with the brass knuckles and Arn's took him again. Right. <laughs> the commentary Bischoff absolutely ruins the moment because he's got like the taped brass knuckles over his hand like they always use. And Bischoff looks at them and goes, it's tape. I mean, it's not tape. It's a foreign object. <laughs> it's like that's too literally calling what you see. <laughs> yeah, wasn't he not in on the meeting? <laughs> <laughs> it's tape. I mean, it's not tape. <laughs> <laughs> some of the worst commentary <laughs> but uh, Flair must know how badly he was doing on the commentary because he comes and ambushes Bischoff <laughs> smashes his headset and then has to try and talk into him and he's like hold it the, for some reason the commentary team are all dressed as bears by that I don't mean like I, I realise what you're probably thinking at home I don't mean they're in big like furry suits I mean like Chicago bears because it's because it's in honour of Mongo because I think the show's in Chicago right yeah commentary team are all sat there dressed as Chicago bears as while um, Ric Flair fumbles with a smashed up headset and tries to shout and boo amazing has Mongo still got uh, the Pepe uh, yes he does he? I love Pepe and <laughs> his little vampire outfits and that and his little witch outfit absolutely <laughs> class <laughs> So um, to enlist someone to help against Pillman and on, because Flair can't get the best of them, he starts kind of trying to beg Sting. Sting, like, doesn't want to tag with Flair, as you might imagine. I'm sure you saw the storyline, didn't you? Yeah. And he's always being like, no, no. Uh, oh. And when he starts thinking about it, he's like, I swear, if you stab me in the back, you know, I almost want Rick to, like, wink at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the rare cases of, like, long-term continuity. <laughs> I don't know. Flair and Sting is a long, long term continuity, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, though, it doesn't have to take that much um, explanation on camera as well. Sting just has to say, look, you've turned on his once before, but like, how many times do you think Flair's turned on Sting? Yeah, I, th- I think Sting even says something like <laughs> that. <laughs> and he's just like, how many times have you done this? And he's like, proper begging for him not to do it again. <laughs> well, again, though, like, you know, in the future, it makes the crow thing even more perfect because it was the last straw. Yeah, I've been messed around so many times I'm going to turn into the crow. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good job the crow would come out. Like, what do you think you would have turned into the crow? <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Oh, no. Robocop. <laughs> I saw you once. We stood opposite each other in the ring. This is it. I'm now Robocop to take on the NWO. That would be an all finished like. <laughs> Amazing. There's, um... So... They have a tag match where Flair's just getting chinned off both of them. Sting comes in, gets a super hot tag, and Arn and uh, Pillman are both like, nah, and they just leave and lose by countout. So you get the bleached blonde super dads of Sting and Flair win that tag match that yeah. sets up the match at Halloween Havoc so they can have a proper one, like a proper blow-off. Um, this time, rather than Rick coming out, this is at Halloween Havoc, Sting is out on his own. And the kayfabe reason they're given on commentary is that 
Brian Pillman has lost it backstage and there's been an off-camera attack on Ric Flair. Right. So Ric Flair can't wrestle. So you get... There's a great moment where Sting's like leathered Pillman to the point he has to crawl back to Arn for the tag. And Arn keeps looking at Pillman and then Sting and then Pillman and then Sting. And he's like, please no. (laughs) 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 But yeah, you also get the dreaded spot you know I despise. Dumb maximum dumb slingshot. Mm-hmm. On decides not only to jump head first out of the slingshot into the turnbuckle, but to also headbutt Pillman in the dick while he's on the top rope. So, like, how are you? Am I meant to suspend disbelief that Sting's some kind of bollocks sniper who can, like, grab on Anderson, trip him, and then throw him up to whack his head into Pillman's dick and snipe him off the top rope? Like, I mean, I'm, to be fair, talking about suspension of disbelief at this pay per view is ridiculous because there's a fucking monster truck sumo battle. <laughs> And the giant survives being thrown off the arena and a mummy buggers Hulk Hogan. So, like, it's really a dumb pay-per-view. So, in the scheme of things, this is nothing. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You got any pleasant memories of Halloween Havoc 95? I think you've just brought them all up. Um, Yeah, Yeah, best of three falls, but the first falls off a fucking roof. (laughs) Don't let Darby Allen hear that. So I Flair eventually comes out in his UPS man trousers to team with Sting. <laughs> Don't know why he's not in any wrestling gear. He's got a plaster on his head, so obviously it must have been a really big beating <laughs> at the hands of Brian, which is what I wanted to, <laughs> to name Brian Pillman and Arn Anderson as a team. <laughs> Brian. Right, okay. So yeah, <laughs> That's a proper WCW... Amalgamation. Yeah. Like, it's not as bad as all the like pretty wonderful and vicious and vicious delicious. and delicious is my least favorite tag team name ever. I, I think, think pretty wonderful wins it for me. Like, yeah. more it's the delicious part. I never want to think of a tag team being delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so I sting can't make the tag. Uh, Brian keeps going over to Flair and like getting in his face and like wooing and doing the four horsemen thing in Flair's face while Sting gets stung. And this beatdown feels like it lasts for ages. So the crowd get proper sympathetic for Sting. He eventually gets the inevitable comeback you would expect. And Flair tags in and all three men beat down Sting. Yeah. yeah. This is the main thing I remember from those very <laughs> early days. Aye. With Ric Flair changed and jumped around and was the least attractive cheerleader you've ever seen at this moment. Doing his styling and profiling and strutting as they all beat the shit out of I do remember the crowd getting to their feet for that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, they do. That's like one of the only things that the crowd's hot for the entire pay-per-view, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) There's a bit as well where Nick Patrick comes in to try and help Randy Anderson stop them all from beating down Sting and Flair like reaches his hand back and touches Nick Patrick's chest like almost by accident and Patrick like goes whoa to do a ref bump he like goes flying backwards at the slightest contact and stops and it's just like there's a button in referee's chests where he just touch them they're like ah! and the crash test dummy down and the ref bumped out like no he's going to touch my off switch boom referee's off <laughs> But then the only two referees that they had at that point as well. Pretty much. Yeah. No, there was what's his name as well. Um, it was Brian Hildebrand, wasn't it? Probably. I'm trying to think. Mickey, what's his name was there? I'm sure. Oh, Mickey J. I'm sure Mickey J was still there at yeah. that point. But I mean, well, Mark Curtis, uh, Brian Hildebrand. That was his like Smoky Mountain name. Was it? Oh, yeah. Right. Well, um, that's, that's why I didn't know that. And um, but that other one uh, from the early nineties with the little tash. Like, I think he was gone. By that yeah, point. I think he was. The like one who looked a bit like Nick Patrick. And then, wasn't. and then no one until like Charles Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, oh, you get like you can find out the scoop on this, and I'm like, what is the scoop? We've just seen all three of them beat down Sting. <laughs> me and Jean's just like, but don't forget the hotline scam, scam, scam. Call me. These were disgusting actions. The number, you fucking mug. Call me. Scam, scam, scam. <laughs> And of course, this reunites the four horsemen, although they really can't count because they all keep holding up the four fingers and there's three of them. Mm-hmm. At least Tully's these days was sensible enough when he was doing it to hold up three when they were doing the revelation stuff. <laughs> not notice there were not four of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the problem you have here, though, is that you've got that really hot response. Oh, no, the horsemen have done something terrible. And then they proceed to be cheered on every TV show again after that. Almost makes you wonder why they weren't used much better during like the hot period of night like, yeah definitely you know. definitely there's every time there's like they try and de-emphasize the horsemen people are like no we do still want that i just remember about like six months of nothing but flair on on anderson mongo deborah woman and gene <laughs> just arguing jared arguing between <laughs> themselves that seemed to never read but it was proper in the best way just white trash <laughs> Yeah, because the thing is, that, like Flair was just like they're they're arguing, and Flair's just strutting in the back. He's just in his own world, <laughs> and it's wooing to himself. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> and then he would just kind of like you know just go like, yeah, Deborah, you're looking fine. I would marry you. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just ignored everything that's just gone on. <laughs> the the promo on the Nitro after this pay per view. This is where we see. Pillman doing what I was talking about before and he's crawling around on his knees and he's screaming a lot. And after what we've just said about Rick, it says a lot that Rick is looking at someone during a promo <laughs> thinking, you're being a bit mental. Like he's just throwing his jacket into the crowd and elbow dropped the floor and all that sort of lunacy. And then he's like, whoa, what are you doing? You're mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they have a fairly novel concept as well where you can like vote for what the match will be. <laughs> I saw Jim Duggan. It's the weirdest thing you've ever seen. They just have like a heel locker room and a face locker room. And they're like all together and there's an announcer there. And then there's like these names and you can phone and you can vote. And Duggan just keeps like marching in front of the camera in front of everyone just spouting gibberish. Going, <laughs> and like putting his tongue out and like holding his... <laughs> Why are you trying your hardest to ruin this moment? So inevitably you'll be shocked that the votes were for Ric Flair to face Sting <laughs> yet again and Sting gets some like sense of payback so that the, the three horsemen, the three amigos, can uh, move on from the storyline. Yeah, You kind of miss out on this trio's period on the network, unfortunately, because there's like the Saturday nights that they've got uploaded stop in 94 and there's no worldwide, there's no pro, there's no main event. Oh, it's... it's- it's a shame, isn't it? I mean, I, they'll get there eventually, I think. I hope so, but, but like, the, that you miss a big period of him being the loose cannon here, because this is where they're tagging as a, either Brian or as a trio, and he's being really mental during the matches, and like the post-matches, he acts absolutely crazy. There's one of them you can probably find on YouTube that's quite fun, that's very odd. But uh, Cobra is teaming with Dave Sullivan <laughs> to go against Brian Pillman and Anderson. Yeah. It's, it's already weird enough that Dave's spelling his name backwards and wearing a suit and backwards snapback made entirely of green LSD smileys. <laughs> and he's carrying a live rabbit to the ring. So it's already very weird. You've got like the Dungeon of Doom and of Mice and Mental. You've had, you know, Kevin Sullivan really has a lot to answer for. <laughs> This match is also worth it to hear the absolute disgust from Dusty Rhodes and Tony Schiavone on commentary that the idea that Cobra is a trained CIA agent. He's like, trained by the CIA. 
<laughs> Tony's like, you heard that right. He is a trained CIA agent. <laughs> you just hear how much Tony Schiavone's fucking disgusted. They just shit all over him in that match. Who's, bo- who's booking at this point? Kevin Sullivan, I'm Kevin pretty Sullivan, sure. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, there's a class moment where Pillman goes to do the atomic blonde off the top. I was going to say who's booking Boogerman, obviously. Mister Boogerman. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, uh, Evad just lies over <laughs> Cobra to protect him so that he doesn't get done with the uh, atomic blonde. And Pillman just starts to laugh and goes, mm, and just like shrugs his head and does the move on both of them, and then pins Cobra anyway. Uh, it's just such a good moment to see. Uh, that, uh, if they ever upload those Saturday nights, there's some Dave Sullivan absolute <laughs> triumphs. There's one match where like, Ray Trailer is wrestling against Evad, and Evad wins because Hacksaw run in, sorry, Hacksaw does a run in, Grabs the rabbit, throws it to the former big boss man, and he catches it. And he's like, Aah! and he has to run out because he's gonna have an allergic reaction to a fucking rabbit. Amazing. <laughs> that is literally the finish to a match. <laughs> like, that's the real natural in the ring rabbit, you know. <laughs> Call him the natural, natural bunny. <laughs> yeah, no, they need to get that stuff up as soon as possible. Speaking of that stuff as well, like this is where you miss the fourth horseman join as well. Really, Benoit joins on Saturday, and they don't show. I mean, the the, the clip I show, saw, um, I mean, back in the early days on one of the documentaries was Benoit getting out of the limo, going. So this is where. The oh, so this is where the big boys play. That's the first time he shows up on Nitro. Right, that's okay. not him becoming a horseman. Right, that's just his debut after he's been the Pegasus Kid and, and switched then, from New Japan. They never showed that clip anywhere else, like on a Nitro or. That clip of him getting out of the limo? No, no, no. Him if him jo- I don't remember seeing it on Nitro. Is that crazy? I don't know if I've just Why forgot the Nitro. I know it's mental, isn't it? main show. Like, I guess they just... Like, in reality, this is the only good story going on in 1995, really. So. Everything else is pretty horrible, and I don't know why they don't give it more credit. It's like, when they run up to Starcade, Brian's not even on the card. Yeah, no. It's just mad. They've got such a hot character running at this point, and then they don't even have him on at Stargate. So, um, do they make an announcement? Do they bring him out, Paul Roma style? (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) He just just joins and he starts being a tag partner for Brian Pillman. So, you kind of have like the two old gadgets and then the two young, like, mental work rate guys. Yeah, and it makes, I mean, did they bring up the, like, Calgary history? I believe so, but I mean,. You're going back to stuff I haven't seen in a really long time because all of those bloody Saturday nights and that aren't even That's true. But I mean, it's skipping out a little bit, but when he joined the Hart Foundation, like they didn't go into nearly enough detail about Pillman's past with the Hearts. And I didn't know as a kid. I thought he was just randomly a part of the Hart yeah. Foundation. I, and, I yeah. never understood as a kid why he was one of the Hart Foundation. Yeah. But I mean, and then again, that means they probably didn't make a big deal of it on WCW either, or I just don't remember because I was a kid. Yeah. Mm. Um, they have a really cool tag finisher, the two of them there. It really needs to be more Pillman and uh, Benoit matches made available. like. But um, Pillman would drop kick them at the same time as Benoit did a dragon suplex oh, and bridge them for the pin. Right. And it's just such a good, vicious-looking finish that's so at odds with all of the kind of Dungeon of Misfit Toys type shit that's going on. Yeah. They suddenly feel like this exciting slice of like Japan or something like on what can be a bit of a Saturday morning style television format. Yeah. Uh, Pillman has a class promo in December on one of those where it's the first time you really see him starting to do the kind of work shoot angle. 
like he comes out and he starts burying angles that are going on on WCW. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's taking little shots at Kevin Sullivan, but you only know that if you're a proper smart fan like. So he, he like he buries Hulk Hogan's flirtation with the dark side. You know how he started dressing up in black and rubber and all that. And Pillman's just like, what the fuck was he playing at? Yeah, and like he's laughing at him there, and he buries the American males just saying that the shit. And he, <laughs> he buries Mongo, and it's just like Mongo can't wrestle. Why do I have to put up with Mongo? And he's just he's a terrible commentator, and he absolutely shits on the Dungeon of Doom, which I've got to say is the strangest selection of talent in one promo. That I'm gonna cut out, come out, and I'm gonna cut a promo on. Hulk Hogan, the American Males, Mongo McMichael, <laughs> and the whole of the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> and uh, he starts doing impressions of the Dungeon of Doom as well. Oh. He's doing like, yes, no, and he's going, pretending to be a shock with the fin on his head. And that's why people are looking at him again, being like, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> he's standing there pretending to be a shock. So do you think, I mean, if, you know, depending on how planned this was, do you think he was meant to go out and just put over the horseman and put over the thing he was in? <laughs> I, I think he was definitely meant to cause something, but I don't know if he was meant to shit on everyone before it, because he ends this promo shitting on the story that Mr. Wonderful has, which makes Mr. Wonderful come out. Oh, with Gary Spivey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, that whole Mr. Wonderfoolish story <laughs> when it was the only thing he was probably really meant to shit on. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's not a chance Hogan would allow... What he would consider a nobody like Pillman to come out and start shitting on his yeah. character choices that he's actually made himself. Because uh, the only time it happened in WWF, and I found this actually—it's a forgotten about promo, really—but I found it one of the more important promos. It was after Hogan lost the belt at King of the Ring, cut straight to Shawn Michaels, and he's like, "Hogan's a dinosaur." He can, you know, yeah, you know that was else. never mentioned. That kind of stuff, like his mm. age and stuff like that, and uh, I've, I've actually—it's a small thing, but I found that a bit of a changing of the guard type situation I've, like, I've noticed that it's a bit weird at that King of, it's King of the Ring 93 93 I, yeah I, I well it's a, it's, a, it's a proper work rate pay per view with Bret and then three suddenly matches. just this weird weird match at the end that ends in an exploding camera <laughs> well that's <laughs> the thing though Hogan like as popular as ever but like you know maybe it was just the right city for him if it was I, anywhere else it might have. he would have probably died the mm-hmm. way you saw him getting shit on like actually I'll come to an interesting thing about that yeah, in a second yeah. like on here so yeah, you've got that Gary Spivey story. <laughs> that's one of the worst things in '95, isn't it? You it, are wonderful, Paul. You're Mister Wonderful. Ugh. It was. I mean, uh, Gary Spivey was like what a motivational speaker, and he wore like a knitted wig. wig. Yeah, yeah, but done by his nana. It was. Yeah. Um, and and the thing is though, I, wasn't I, he on the Psychic Channel or something like that? Must have been. Yeah. On probably on Turner or something. I like would that. imagine so. Like the um, I wouldn't have minded it nearly as much if it wasn't for the point of view camera angles and all that that type of thing does me head in oh it? that's the part that annoyed you the no, guy no, with a knitted wig trying not... to teach Mr. Wonderful how to wonderful feasibly you could have a bloke come in as a, like feasibly, a motivational it's still shit though. no I'm not saying it's not shit <laughs> but like you know but when you look at the just the shoddy editing and the shoddy it production bad, and stuff like, like it's re- and you're trying to get Paul Orndorff to not be Paul Orndorff when he's just been and he's beating himself up slapping himself in the face walking around front of the mirror going oh I hate me why am I not wonderful if, <laughs> if like anyone that. has never hated themselves and is an absolute narcissist it's, it's Paul, Paul Orndorff <laughs> I know <laughs> if, if you want, if you find the episode of TNT from the 80s where he's in the gym teaching fat people how to lose it, it's, it's incredible he pulls no punches whatsoever so yeah <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I do love him. Like, I actually really wish we'd got the Mr. Wonderful and uh, Brian Pillman feud that they're kind of hinting at here. But he, he comes out and just tells Pillman, like, you're not a real horseman. How dare you? You're just Rick and Arn's young boy, basically. 
And then then Pillman hits him and inevitably on and them are like, you jump on one horseman, you jump on us all. So they do like a spike pile driver off the stage and like ride off Orndorff because he needs an operation. Yeah, it's one of these arm problems. Aye. That, yeah, and, and, but the thing is though, I mean, if it was a few years before, Arn would have been a perfect horseman. Like... Paul, you mean? Like, uh, Paul Orndorff. Orndorff. Sorry, Except yeah, Orndorff. Orndorff. Yeah. Um, I think Orndorff would have been a great horseman oh, in an earlier time. I mean, but to be honest, though, it would have been the egos in the group, which I guess is always kind and of you'd the have the story where he tries to take over, wouldn't you? Because yeah. he's as egotistical as Rick. That's how you would do it, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Paul Orndorff and Rick Flair in just promo battles would have been, been amazing, wouldn't it? <laughs> in robe battles as well. Do you see like, the shiniest robe? Like, oh, That's yeah. the last time you see him in a ring until 2000 you know after that spike pile driver Ray, I always wondered when the when that was I was more surprised when he came back in 2000 he's still in shape and everything but one arm's obviously one arm's in a lot I mean it was arm. like that for a while but it was very noticeable at that point but he could still do everything he could oh, still pull Orndorff like it was it was so weird seeing Orndorff and was only in 2000 like I mean <laughs> come, when you look at the weird stuff that happened in 2000 I'm, oh like the varsity club I would still rank Orndorff up there Wrestling is one of the more mental things Aye. and forgotten about things as well. But yeah, definitely in two thousand. Yeah, um, you. I know I was shitting on Mongo earlier as well, and Pillman was at the same time. But Mongo actually does some really good commentary here when they they're doing the stretcher job on Ondorf. He treats it very seriously and like talks about neck injuries in football. And you know how he's usually quite, I'm a tough guy, and he's like yelling and shouting and that. Yeah. When he's treating it like gravely important, like someone getting injured in a in a football game, I thought that really added to the legitimacy. You just have to come at it from an empathetic point of view. Like I always found that because Bobby Heenan had just had neck surgery as well, and I'm sure in other when he's on commentary, he probably talks about it as well. Aye, because like you know, it, it, like you say, you have to come at it from someone who's really went through that stuff to really be like Vince was not good at doing that. Like yeah. um, I know the ridiculousness of like, like over egg what's happening yeah. is what I'd find with Vince compared to making it seem serious when you actually have to pull back. Yeah. In real sports, they never start screaming and shouting if someone's injured. They're like concerned. And the thing is as well though, like because the, the thing that comes to mind is when don't attack crush and like not crush out. But that was like on the same weekend where some football player got paralysed and they oh, were like shit. sort of like comparing it to that. And I was just like, no, that's not the right way to do it. It got a slagging off. For that's it, like, not the right way to do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we know Vince <laughs> <laughs> poor lad imagine his family <laughs> seeing a clown attack a pineapple and comparing it to like dad getting paralysed you know what I mean Jesus Christ the, the, the crowds are quite interesting at this point so like even though the horsemen are doing these evil things and like Pillman's doing this the crowd still absolutely love them and they shit on Hulk Hogan at this show. Are they getting frat boyish at this point? They are, right. but this it's still a very southern crowd, mm. and like you won't see many better examples at the time of like the Hokey Hogan invincible bald yellow fella shtick getting rejected by a southern audience. Yeah, it's like he'd been really booed earlier in the show, and they were like trying to give out merch. You know, like those foam Hulkster things and T-shirts, and people just like ripped them up and threw them. <laughs> you don't see it on camera, but you just they were just throwing the shit back, and they were just like, "No, we fucking hate Hulk Hogan." Yeah. And the main event ends up being Hogan and Sting versus Flair and Arn in Charlotte. It's just like how you, you'll never see a colder tag than Hogan. He's like being booed. He's tagged in, and then he no sells Flair's chops. And you just feel the hatred from the crowd. Mm-hmm. Like, they're absolutely erupt and jubilant just at Ric Flair poking him in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> like, you'd think you'd just seen something incredible. 
uh, he gets hit with a spine buster and he does the full, nope, I had skin cheese, so I win, oh, kind of finish and the crowd no. absolutely hate it. He just no-sells it, he boots on, he leg drops him and he pins him. Oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> the only thing that saves the crowd is Pillman. Pillman comes running in to help the horseman and starts beating down Hogan and starts beating down Mr. Invincible. I brought this up to you, like, Pillman and Hogan on the screen at the same time is such a clash. Like, um, because I'm sure when Hogan wins the belt the first time, Pillman's in the shot pouring the champagne over his head. I think he just wanted to be a part of... Just to be on screen. Just to be on screen, of course, yeah. Um, Duke the Dumpster... I know it's going off site. Duke Dumpster Drozzy always said that anytime he was on TV with, like, Diesel or The Click or whatever, he knew that the camera was going to be on Diesel, so you'd be... Get FaceTime via Diesel. Yeah, just... (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly the right thing to do. You've got to know where the camera is. Mm Luger actually comes down while Flair's while Flair and Pillman and them are beating on Hogan. Yeah. And he, he like comes and he like rescues Sting and he looks at Hogan getting beat down. He's like, nah, fuck that body cunt. He just leaves him and just lets the horseman kick shite out of him. He's like, I kick that shower curtain off his heel. Let's go, Sting. And just like leaves him to it. <laughs> and this sets us up to heading towards our most famous Brian Pillman moment. And this is the end of the loose cannon run in WCW, really, yeah. is the run-up to Super Brawl. So you got Kevin Sullivan, the leader of the Monster Muppets, resplendent in his Hulkamania dressing gown, <laughs> with demon horns drawn on his face, confronts Arn a week later, telling Pillman, that, t- telling Arn, like Pillman is not allowed to tell them how appalling the Dungeon of Doom is. Mm. He's like, he should not have come out and said that while he's standing there looking as fucking stupid as he does. Yeah. Then he says that he's going to come looking for Pillman if Arn doesn't keep him on a short leash, which Arn warns Sullivan after what they've just done to Paul Orndorff, he's like, you do realise you would be declaring war on the Four Horsemen if you touch any of us. Yeah. Which is pretty great. This is also, by the way, for a little fun aside, this is the Nitro where Medusa turns up and bends the belt. Really? Yeah. And Such an iconic moment, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So Vince decided like, oh, well, um, guess we'll get rid of women's wrestling then if she's got rid of the belt. Now, fill the paddling pool with KY jelly. We're doing lingerie bullshit. I don't even know if they mentioned it on TV, you know. What, on Like, getting burned to that level. Like, you know. I, I wouldn't if I was them. No. Uh, the, the, there was, Lunder was meant to defend the belt at the Rumble against Arja Kong. Um, was it? Yeah. But the thing is, though, I think the only thing keeping the Lundra there was like, I need opponents. You have to let us bring women over from Japan. Did she keep bringing lasses from all Japan or something? That's like all that. she did. That's the only reason she had any matches on pay per view, I think. Like, to be fair, the Alundra uh, Blaze matches are some of the only stuff I really like from that year when you watch WWE because then she's suddenly having these great matches, the Japanese women. Well, there's lots of other kind of silly stuff happening. That's almost for me like the Brian Pillman style story on WCW at the time where there's like this one thing that's like good and quite technical and keeps your attention and feels real when loads of other stuff's like really cheesy. Well, it's like you invested in it. Like you have to let her do something. God, I mean, it could have been far worse for her. Like, I think oh, they're... definitely. No, I think, I think that what you did over there wasn't bad. They just didn't have women to give her. No. Well, that's the thing. They only brought in women for it. Eva Muller's mate still. Um, or LPWA wrestlers and all that kind of stuff, and um, that's all Vince knew, uh, you know. And um, the he probably sent the Lola, who do you know, who was a woman, like <laughs> in the eighties, you know. Now, <laughs> <laughs> lovely Lonnie Kai, um, but like the went in the media time with a completely cold match for the women's title of Lonnie Kai against 
You know, Aye. and I, I don't think even Leilani Kai was an original opponent as well. Really? Like, the original one, I wish I could remember her name, but, like, she got replaced, so, yeah. Mental. Um, it just shows you what they think of, like, their best workers sometimes. Ah, yeah, you know, yeah. and they just give them nothing. It's like, well, your matches are good. Yeah. <laughs> you, you'll, it'll what not matter, because your matches are good, which is just not the truth. You see that so much in so many modern wrestling things, where it's like the matches themselves are impressive, but you don't care about the actual match, because there's nothing to make you care. Yeah. Doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, speaking of being made to care... <laughs> This is a period where, in the January, the horsemen start losing. So, like... This is January 96. January 96, sorry, yes. Owen Anderson gets beat by Randy Savage. Chris Benoit loses against Steve Regal on the same Nitro. And Pillman comes out in a pure like, leather trench coat as well. It looks kind of cool. And he has an absolute meltdown on the mic saying that, basically, the horsemen are turned to shit when they should be destroying guys like... Hogan and Savage in the dungeon and Arn slaps him and like tells him to wind his neck in he's like you are starting fires and he's basically just telling him our purpose as the four horsemen is to protect the world championship because Flair had just won it at Starcade Mm -hmm. and obviously them's fighting words so the satanic umpa lumpa Sullivan (laughs) evil Knievel Harlequin Zodiac come running out until the giant picks one up under each arm like toddlers having tantrums and carries them like he's carrying them out a little <laughs> and, but it's good that on it's sometimes forgotten when something's been around long enough what the purpose of something is, you know, yeah. like when you know. So the fact that on brings up the point of the horseman is to keep the belt on flair, like it's you know the um the Vince Austin feud. You kind of forget that Vince was against Austin. He doesn't want him to be the champion. Yeah, because it bad, bad for the company. Image. Yeah, no. and you you just forget that when they start having like you know Inferno. Exactly. So yeah, no, Arn is Arn is amazing. Uh, Arn was amazing. <laughs> Just I can't get the visual out of my head of him carrying them under his arm. Like, <laughs> the face that Beefcake keeps making. It looks like he's being squeezed as he's being carried out. <laughs> so at the end of that night, they, sorry, they end that nitro with Hogan being too Hogan to even sell brass knuckles and beating the shit out of all four horsemen on his own, they, oh, it, this is the worst you'll see because he has all of the horsemen cowering on their knees by himself. Right. All four of them. Does Pillman just look like he's taking the piss when he does it though? Yeah, he yeah. does. When, when the Dungeon of Doom come out to save, <laughs> save us from this fucking beatdown, <laughs> that is the closest you will see to the Dungeon of Doom getting feared. <laughs> <laughs> the giant comes out and like grabs the stool and like looks like he's trying to reenact the stool injury scene from a million dollar baby. Although, say reenact this before it happened. I really also <laughs> shouldn't use words like stool injury when we're talking about Bruce Beefcake, should I? <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, this is where Zodiac does something precious as well. He learns his third word. <laughs> Not just going, yes, no. He starts getting dragged out and he's going, hurt, hurt. <laughs> Sullivan and the commentators are like marvelling at the irony that he's able to learn a word. Mm. And dear God, it's mad to think Raw actually beat Nitro at this point, isn't it? <laughs> but, it's one of those things though, that Raw's just like, right, we'll just... We'll, not do anything daft. Well, not be good, but we'll just we'll not just do anything not be, daft. Yeah. <laughs> I, I almost think at this point, 
Nitro might have been narrowly winning just because people are like, what dumb shit is going to happen next? There's an element of just dumb TV of watching what's going to happen. There is a, you know, it's it's not as like, I must watch the next episode right now of 96, 97 Nitro. But, there but is like, if it's on, like, you think, well, I'll watch this because it's going to be stupid. It's going to be silly, yeah. And But the thing is, though, they still had great wrestlers. So, you know, it wasn't like the, all of Nitro was just Dungeon of Doom and... Oh, no, no, you know, totally just, not, totally yeah. not. It just dominates the stories. <laughs> like, it runs through so many people's stories that that's the problem with it yeah. I do like a constant story that runs through an episode because it makes it more important but I don't like it if the story's the Dungeon of Doom yeah what, what, what I would have loved a year later when the NWO's like invading they've got like real problems I would have loved it if Heenan was like I long for the days of when our worst enemy was the Dungeon of Doom <laughs> <laughs> the, in a way though it helps Pillman with the loose cannon so from these weeks like following this in the run-up to the clash of the champions that you alluded to earlier this is where pillman's like snarling and he's spitting at the camera when he's talking and when everything else is that cartoony it's like we're talking about medusa before yeah pillman stands out so far you want to see a good example of like his character and when he's working everyone people are nervous watch it was on the 22nd of january pillman versus malenko there's a part where he's just coming in he just goes and jumps into the crowd when he's coming in with on and on, just looks at him like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. He's just like shaking his head in the camera. He probably thinks he's off camera, but because obviously by Bischoff's in it, they keep the camera on, on and on, he's just looking at nervously at Pillman. <laughs> he's like, just running and going psycho at the crowd. Not even people in the crowd, like antagonising Pillman particularly. Pillman just like snapping and going and getting in the face and on's just like, what have we got here? <laughs> Did they bleep Heenan out when... Pillman took the jacket off him. No. The they haven't boosted out. So on that Clash Wonderful. of the Champions, right. if anyone hasn't seen it, it's Clash of the Champions 32. This is a proper iconic loose cannon moment. Do you want to tell it? Because I know you're a big Bobby Heenan fan. Well, the first time I heard about it was from a Bobby Heenan shoot interview um, from like the early 2000s. And obviously he's going to get asked about it. And he was just like, yeah, no, um, we're sat at ringside and our job is to call what's on the monitor because of a wrestler's cheating and you're not meant to see it and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So Pillman just, for whatever reason, um, and he knew that Bobby Heenan had had neck surgery and stuff like that, goes behind him and playfully pulls his jacket around over his shoulders and Bobby Heenan... Yeah, he rips his suit off, doesn't he? Rips his suit off and Bobby Heenan says, what the fuck are you doing? And then legit throws his head forward and Tony's like, oh, good... Goodness gracious, just like what is it? And he just storms out, doesn't he? <laughs> so yeah, he says he gets to the start of the aisle and uh, then he starts working. You know, he's like, right, okay. So, and then he comes back and then he, for the rest of the match, he really puts over Pillman as a loose cannon and yeah. unpredictable and stuff like that. And he got backstage after the event and he says to Bishop, he's like, I'm really sorry that I swore on Kevin. And he's like, I wasn't watching. <laughs> Which, to be fair, I'm not sure that I believe that though. he was so obsessively watching stuff that sounds like a Heenan that is true. and the, the thing is though Heenan was like and I believed it because it was the early 2000s and why would I wouldn't know at that point he says oh, I think that the footage doesn't exist anymore but which which did. made me think that it wasn't on pay-per-view which I it definitely it just, does yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no amazing yeah. Um, you, I don't know if you'd seen you mentioned where he's like they're putting over and being a loose cannon they really are even in the run up here like that when Pillman's coming in like what he's been doing the last few weeks is he shoves the cameraman and stuff like that when he's coming in and the camera like just goes stumbling or falling over yeah. like the commentary are talking about this and the, like where Bischoff had been commentating on some of the nitros to add that like smart fans angle he was being like uh, I'm sure that if Brian Pillman doesn't stop touching 
our employees that he is going to end up suspended or like there's a point where he's like if he continues to push our cameraman he'll end up finding himself getting no TV time and he's like talking it as if it's like a secret message to Pillman but we know it's like a secret secret message to Pillman because yeah. they're the only two in on it he was one of the few as well that like when he looked at the camera he wasn't just looking at the camera he, f- he was looking at to me the individual viewer like he, he was like looks at into you, you. He was, yeah. yeah it's quite intimidating isn't it yeah especially the one where he spits at the camera I felt like that it's like he want, he's about to head but it's like the vision you're proper getting in your face like when someone's getting in your face it's it's a great stuff and he does that more and we'll get into that as uh, time goes on as well aye definitely this obviously leads to the feud with the Dungeon of Doom because he's gone too mental at this point. <laughs> there was a fun part before as well. You know, he said about Bobby losing it to me. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Before that, he actually does it to Tony Schiavone. No one remembers. But when he's on the way past, he like grabs Tony Schiavone and Tony's like, whoa, you stay away from me, buddy. <laughs> and uh, that's where Bobby's like, ah, you're such a pussy. And he's like taking the piss out of Tony before it happens to him. Right. Which is pretty good. <laughs> For a little trivia, Mark, can you remember who's in the ring? Because the Bobby Heenan stuff always overshadows this clash match. Oh, it was him and Eddie? Yeah, it was Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. P- P- the, it's one of the only times Eddie Guerrero's in a match and no one mentions him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. That, that just shows you the depth of the rock what like opening match or something and it's yeah. Brian Pillman against, against Eddie Guerrero it's Lord. insane isn't it yeah but that Clash of the Champions really should be better than it was when <laughs> I on it this is the only really noteworthy thing that happens on it um, oh as well you get another little shoot moment like that where Tony Schiavone's like whoa I'm not sitting out here unless I've got like Annette others in front of me and it's one of the rare times you actually see her on camera Right. When Bobby's running away, she's actually crouched down with them, trying to tell them what's going on. And she's like, whoa! And she's getting out of the way, and it just looks like these her and Tony are like, what are we caught in the middle of here? Yeah. <laughs> you really feel for them. And you've got to think as well, though, like, sort of, I mean, the talk about this on Dark Side of the Ring, he is the talk of the wrestling, wrestling world. world. Yeah, yeah, at that point. People, when you can fool, like you say, Melter, who, you know, was a friend of his. He was close with Pillman High. Yeah. Um,. You know, you're doing a good job. And I think it was was it around that time when he went to that uh, TV convention, he went up to Vince and hugged him and got his picture taken. <laughs> <laughs> and Vince was like, we're not fucking hiring him, mate. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get a kind of shoot promo against his behaviour like that at this point because Kevin Sullivan comes out and, of course, again, they're playing the smart angle where you know he's the booker, really. Mm-hmm. But he comes out and he starts talking about how Pillman's not mature enough to be on television and not behaving and he's like on said he could control him which I was probably like herding cats I can't even imagine <laughs> trying to control him I did find it a little ironic seeing Kevin Sullivan call someone immature when he's like a five foot face painted hobgoblin in a yellow bathrobe like who the fuck are you telling who they should be on television or not look at the clip of your man <laughs> But away from the dungeon stuff, when when Sullivan came out, there was there was based on his stuff in Florida and stuff like that. There was always an element of is this real when mm. he like makes comments and stuff like that. And obviously the Ben thing was so weird yeah, in reality so, as yeah. well. That yeah, great stuff. You get one of those moments that I imagine probably is on the darker corners of Pornhub, like where Dusty <laughs> Rhodes paddles AJ Styles' ass. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, Arn Anderson goes up to Brian Pillman and he's like, he's going to act like a child, it's time to get some tough love. And pulls his belt off and Pillman's like kneeling in front of Arn, begging him, going, no. <laughs> and like uh, Sullivan then attacks on and starts flogging Brian with a whip. That's why they end up with a strap match. And I was like, oh, yeah. The fix is on. On starts demanding a match from the committee, which is pretty cool. He's like, I'm not getting out of here until the committee give us this match. 
<laughs> was Buckwinkle still around at this point? Yes, he was. was Buckwinkle, he? Buckwinkle was the, like... He doesn't come on screen at this point, but no. he was the KFA president. Great. You get the best Dungeon of Doom comment here from Bishop as well. He goes, four guys who nobody likes, four guys that don't like themselves or each other. <laughs> Just like, this is your show, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Pillman and Arn take on Sullivan with the man of his choice, who is tough enough's very own bully, Hugh G. Retron. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Going under the name of Hugh Morris, or as Tony Schiavone often says, humorous. (laughs) Refuses to play along. (laughs) (laughs) When you look at some of the stuff he did play along with, that's actually not that bad. (laughs) So I, Bischoff, makes the announcement that if... Pillman doesn't have any more self-control that there will not be a match at Super Brawl as right. well, which is like the peaking of his, you know, like, he's got to stop touching cameraman, he's got to stop doing that. And that's when you really start feeling like, is this real? Like, what the fuck is going on? Um, Pillman and Bischoff must have been reading the dirt sheets loads at the time oh, because yeah. they are so ahead of what is going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, Heenan says Pillman's making too many enemies in WCW. And he's like, he is then getting in on the kind of hinting, like, Pillman might not be here much longer, which is probably Heenan thinking that seriously because of, like, how crazy he's asking. But uh, this pulls the trigger on them having their strap match, the respect match, which yeah. is essentially an I quit match. It's yeah. going to be at Super Brawl 6. <clears throat> you get some great gems on commentary before we get the essentially quintessential loose cannon moment. <laughs> Mongo goes... <laughs> these are two men with a genuine hatred of each other juking it out Saturday night in a country and western bar and then he goes why is Sullivan biting him does he know Pillman has rabies I'm <laughs> just like Mongo what are you doing what are you doing country music and rabies this is Nitro <laughs> the rabies introduced by Pepe yeah. <laughs> this respect strap match which I really don't know why What's they the had do- a strap wait a minute what's the dog called dog was, the called, dog was called Pepe the same as the hobby horse the hobby, yeah, yeah. No, okay we're on the same wavelength here. that's good okay. <laughs> so this is more of an I quit match which is I guess better than when Hulk Hogan won a strap match by pinfall <laughs> it's yeah. like touch all four corners Hulk leg drop pin <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah in this match you have to flog the other guy until he gets on the mic and says I respect you and that is the way of them quitting it's mercifully free from Roddy Piper's what do you say on the mic because we're he's in the other country company at the time <laughs> so yeah this match is very controversial isn't it Oh, just a bit. Um, so, yeah, noted. Uh, who comes to the ring first? Uh, I believe that Mr. Bookerman comes out first. Yeah. And he looks pretty serious and nervous. Like, it doesn't <laughs> It doesn't look like the usual, like, this is Kevin Sullivan, the evil magic womble. This is like, <laughs> this is Kevin Sullivan, the concerned booker who is dressed ridiculously. Yeah, so, I mean, the bell doesn't even ring, does it? Or... Uh, no, because it just it gets ugly straight away. Yeah, like that. That looks like a real fight, doesn't it? When um, Sullivan's desperately trying to just take Pillman down and hold him down, it looks more like when a crowd member jumps the railings. Yeah, he definitely sort of a match. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like Pillman isn't really on the offense here, is he? He's just kind of uh, no selling everything and just being awkward. And, and just... then Sullivan starts really <laughs> fucking whacking him, doesn't he? Yeah. When Sullivan gets the strap and starts flogging him. 
Pillman just goes and grabs the mic and goes, I respect you, Booker Man, and just drops the mic and leaves. Yeah, I mean, probably the most controversial thing to happen in wrestling on a microphone uh, since uh, uh, Katow in on that uh, WWF uh, Tenru crossover show when he, uh, was that? he had the shoot against Earthquake. And, oh really? Uh, I've known out about this. Yeah, no, he was just like, I'm going to be a cunt. And uh, <laughs> yeah, if you want to see Earthquake, just like, bore a hole through someone with his eyes. Because, like, uh, Tenru's... Oh, Katow, sorry, he's, like, kicking Earthquake's legs legit, and Earthquake's just like... like what the fuck proper you know? kickboxing like, kicks. Well, yeah, and, and both sumos as well, so they probably were, you know what I mean, like, testing each other. And then, all of a sudden, he just rolls out the ring, goes, wrestling thing in Japanese, and then... Wow. Goes away, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, you've got to see that. If you want to see... I think it's kind of... Um, probably not understood how legitimately hard Earthquake... <laughs> Oh, I, I knew Tenta was meant to be a hard dude. That's why it's funny he gets made to be like an avalanche and sharp and all that stupid shit. Maybe he's half shaved head and that. He said he's regret because did Bischoff get him to? Because the tiger was his sports team or something, <laughs> and he got it tattooed over with a shark, and then oh, they dropped the gimmick. <laughs> and then he said he's not a fish. <laughs> but yeah, no, like I've, I've not. Having watching WCW at the time, I've been watching it obviously subsequently, you know what a big deal it is, but I think it can't be understated what a mental deal that was. So Arn Anderson basically comes out and has the match for him. He does, yeah. Pillman storms out and flips off the crowd, and this has been like a minute in, and this is the first time you really see the crowd turning on him as a horseman, even though they're meant to be heels. The crowd are shitting on it, mostly I think just because they think they're not going to get the money's worth. That's true. Yeah, like this the, is the imagine this would be the only angle we would care about if we were going to this, wouldn't it? That's true. They know there's something going on, but they don't know. They as don't well. know what it is. Yeah, uh, exactly. So Anderson comes out, and it adds to it that Anderson's dressed like he's going hiking, or he's about to serve Pilsner in a beer keller or something, because he's got like hiking boots and chino shorts and like a proper dad shirt and his glasses on, and he's like, um, on the way to the ring, like taking his clothes off on the way, and like, what do I do to save this? <laughs> There's a moment though where he gets the strap because they obviously have to call it completely on the fly, and he like hog ties Kevin Sullivan while he's standing over him in the shorts and hiking boots. That looks like some wolf creature. <laughs> and wasn't the finish of that match even a? Screwy finish as well. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just an absolute mess, isn't it? Well, because they have no finish, they no. don't know what they're gonna do. That is true. And that's Pillman gone. Other than when he starts turning up in the crowd, which you actually see on some of the nitros. I didn't know that. There's a moment where Pillman's like dragged out of the crowd because he gets to the front row. Mental. He'd been doing. He was still like doing appearances. That was even when he was doing stuff at ECW. Really, and you, you, they like don't draw attention to it, and he's just like in the background, and you can see him getting dragged out and like clobbering in among the fans. And that. I'm gonna have to find those because um, I mean I know Bischoff. Maybe the next night they show clips of the match, but uh, not, like, like but not that bit though. No, no. Well, they show the um the the show photographs like a series yeah, because yeah. they want people to watch the encore. Mm-hmm. Um, and the like, Pillman's gone. They cut the Boogerman bit though, you know. Like, on the on encore the, and on the videotape releases of it and that. They, really? They cut, so it's just like I respect you. Wow. Okay. You cut that bit because that's to add to the like work shoot feel of it. Mm. They're like, whoa, drop the bit where he exposes the business. <laughs> great stuff. Like, yeah. Really I, I certainly, because uh, um, I think like a lot of people who go back and watch Night Rose on the network, they start at uh, start July 96. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> and even then, it's. No, they probably start at May. That's when, oh, when, that's when Hall turns off. Yeah. Uh, but no, I'd, I'd need to go back and watch, like, 
suffer through some of it, but also watch that. If you just skip to the bits that involve anything to do with the Four Horsemen, really, that would be the way I would recommend anyone watching these Nitros. The Four Horsemen stuff is class. Mm. You know, at the time, Pillman wanted a streak at the Super Bowl. (laughs) The Super Bowl was like in his home state, Uh and he obviously still had mates from when he used to play for the Bengals, and he wanted a streak and tie himself, sorry, chain himself to the fucking goalposts. Incredible. To further his character, but he ended up not being able to do it because his mates just like got cold feet and were like, "No, we can't let you do this." I'm guessing though as well with their connection, like you know, Turner's connection to different sports teams and all the shows they've got on TV, could have just shown up on like whatever their version of Richard Judy was and just like <laughs> you know, trashed the set. <laughs> <laughs> so it, would, I believe it might have been during that time that he made his one and only Memphis appearance as well is it I don't know about this um, yeah and the uh, I think Lance Russell's on and uh, you couldn't imagine a more like you know traditional character than Lance, Lance Russell, Russell. <laughs> and Pillman coming in and uh, yeah he makes his one and only appearance and he's wow. full on loose cannon at that point yeah I don't know that's, that. on, that's on YouTube yeah that's really cool yeah was that before or after he started the ECW appearances do you know well, I don't know. You probably know this. The the time period between the Super Brawl and the ECW appearance, it can't have been that long. It's not long at all because um, he turns up at Cyberslams, his first appearance at ECW. Well, I'd imagine while he was in ECW, there were working relationships. I mean, there were working the relationships work, yeah. with Memphis and uh, with all sorts of people. So yeah, no, he makes the makes the one off appearance, and it's it's a lot of fun. Those ECW appearances are fun as well, aren't they? Like the one where he actually he out loose cannons uh, Doug Gilbert. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, so yeah, all those. Well, let's get into the ECW stuff. The ECW stuff is absolutely class. So at Cyber Slam, (laughs) when you get the bizarre to hear on the networks, I forgot about this all these years later. Is the crowd? all chanting, Bischoff takes it up the ass, do-da, do-da. I was like, what a weird song. <laughs> a really weird wrestling song. <laughs> I wish that became like his theme music. Like we could have come and done an appearance on Hardcore TV and like it's, Bischoff takes it up the ass, do-da, do-da. Signed by Hillbilly James. <laughs> or the guy who did the Yogi Kamen Bear song. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the, the arena blacks out and the light, they're all like, oh, what's going on? And Pillman... Everyone knew what was going to happen. They though. didn't know he was going to turn heel on them, though, didn't no, they? No, no, that is definitely true. But I think it's it's safe to say that if someone's just left WCW... They're going to appear in ECW. Yeah. The lights come on and the crowd come unglued at Pillman standing there with his cane. It's such a cool just moment. Just the stance of him. When he's holding it up in the air like he's a dictator or something. Like he knows how important it is and just like... And the thing is as well, there's just... I mean, they talk about this on Docs. I mean, they only talk about it after the accident, really. But the um, facially, he looks different. I don't know what he's done. Whether he's grown the beard in more. The beard's also. I'm thinking his hair's different. a bit different with the beard as well. But Definitely he just makes look, a difference. Like, if oh, he's more mental at this point as well, and that does make his face look different. He is in sort of like sort of the flying Brian, early flying Brian. He's still got a bit of a chubby face as he's well. Baby face in the literal sense. I don't mean like the face and heel. I mean, yeah, like he has a baby face when he starts. Because that's the thing when uh, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but when he first shows up in WF on the King of the Ring, it's like I know he's called Brian Pillman, but like he looks nothing like Brian yeah, Pillman. But yeah. I hadn't seen any of the nightmares or anything <laughs> really until right. that point. So yeah, anyway. Um, I so he makes that appearance there and the crowd all start cheering for him and he just immediately shits on them doesn't he, he just starts calling them like smart marks and he's he's like oh I'm trying to remember what does he say smart marks are 
he makes a proper insulting thing about like their entire ECW fan base. I wish I could think what the, mm. what he said. He, he he basically just says some really disparaging stuff that's beyond the like you live in your mom's basement type of bullshit. Yeah. And he absolutely shits on the crowd and gets. I guess you have sense. to though, because like you know when this uh, when the smart marks are, they know what's gonna happen and they're so happy Pillman's there. I think you really have to cut to the bone to offend them because yeah, you can't just go. I'm a baddie now. You know like, yeah, I mean? we love bad guys. Woo! <laughs> Get some barbed wire. <laughs> and there's someone in the crowd with a like a I respect you book a man sign, I think, as the, well. There's there's like. someone else has a sign that says please don't shoot on me, Brian, or something. <laughs> and like when he starts saying the stuff about smart marks, they're going, Read the sign, read the sign. <laughs> like all point matters. <laughs> oh yeah. And and Joey Styles is someone who reacts to stuff. Like when Pillman starts swearing and Joey Sellers puts his hand over his mouth, he's like, oh my. Oh my, yeah, no, good gracious. <laughs> it's like you weren't an ECW, mate. Like, but when Pillman is so extreme that he can shock ECW. It's when he goes to get his dick out, isn't it? Because that's what brings Todd Gordon and Paul Heyman out. Yeah. He's like, I can do whatever I want. I can piss in this ring if I want. And then the thing is, though, they come out as, uh, you know, probably one of the rarer times at that time, they come out as the authority saying, you know, we never planned for this. You know, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is this isn't what we were gonna. Yeah, totally. That mm-hmm. makes sense more with feeding in with when he starts like appearing and pissing off Shane Douglas as well, doesn't it? And, and the thing is though, even during that one appearance, there are so many iconic things that happen that you don't realize that it's all in one appearance. Like a crowd chant and let him piss. <laughs> let him piss. Let him piss. In the one segment, we've heard read the sign. Let him piss, and Bischoff takes it up the arse. What a strange crowd. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, so, yeah, that is nowhere near the end of even this segment like with Pillman. No, like, it just really drags on, with, but in a good way, doesn't it? Because that is a mess in the best possible sense, where it starts to feel like, oh, well, because these are a smaller promotion and these are a bit more cowboy in the, like, free and loose sense. Like, what is happening here? Like, this would, if you believed Pillman had really snapped in WCW leaving a corporate environment to come here, you'd think, Jesus Christ, what's he going to do now? Yeah, and and uh, before we get into uh, the next part of this, there's just that little bit where he just turns heel and he runs to the camera. He's like, you know, does yeah. the evil face. And that's when he, and the cameraman probably legit shits himself as well. The film <laughs> not only looks mental, he's got a massive cane. <laughs> <laughs> the cane with a metal top on it. The bit with the bit with the planted fan is class, isn't it? Yeah. The fan, I've got to say that it's the best one that like of planted fans because ever. like they even did it in WWF later on, and we'll get into that with Pillman. Did they? Uh, yeah. Um, but anything else when like Kane does it or whatever, it's like yeah, man in mask, like in, in spandex bodysuit, you know. Um, but yeah, no, this was it was incredible. It's the fan. Where is he now? I thought probably with the children of the corn looking at him, I swear he's the one who goes, Outlander, we have your woman! <laughs> but like, I, he swings for Pillman, and the, even the tumble when he swings the punch and he tumbles a rail, it looks real as fuck. Pillman bring him in, is it a fork he starts stabbing him with? I'm trying to remember. Oh, I can't he, get, he gets something stabby and starts sticking him in the head yeah. until like security legitimately run Pillman off. It looks like he's shitting himself and running away. Um, and I love seeing that ECW arena crowd legitimately shocked him. Me too. Like, you know, he seems, he looks like an ECW fan. Yeah. He's acting like one. It's so, almost like, even though it's the, the Extreme Championship Wrestling, there are still parameters 
like you know what you're gonna get to a point. Like yeah. there's gonna be violence, etc. But it's not. It's, it's not gonna still be controlled. Well, it's, it's not gonna be mass transit at that point. No, no, like that's that, what I mean know, by yeah. controlled. It's yeah, not to the stage of you know, like maybe a tournament of death, a CZW type of thing <laughs> that you might be like Jesus. Mm. It's it's still a lot more controlled. To a point, you don't. You know, they probably maybe realise to a point that you don't have to go overly far only because WF and WCW were a million not times away. Yeah. yeah. Um, you only have to be the most extreme. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like that's relative to the competition. Yeah. If you went straight to like cutting off people's fingers with cigar cutters or something like that, like where do you get more extreme than that? You know. What well, I, mean? I think even they probably were smart enough to know that as well. Yeah. That, like, You've got to have some sense of escalation. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, no, Pillman uh, beats up the fan and uh, and Douglas comes out during that segment as well, doesn't he? Yeah, because that's what leads to the stuff at the Big Ass Extreme Bash or whatever the hell it was called that got used for loads of hardcore TVs. Yeah. Those, like, spread over a few weeks actually all happened at the same event. Right. You know, when he, like, there's the really famous part where he, like, turns up in the crowd and he's antagonising Douglas and Douglas is saying, like, to be honest to me, it's pretty clear it's Angle at this point. He's like, this is WCW versus ECW. And like and you're like, mm, this is the first time it starts feeling like an angle. Right. And like Pillman's shouting at Douglas and he hides behind the wife and toddler. <laughs> and Douglas But he's like jumping up and down, like taunting like, him still. Yeah, from like. behind him. It's really entertaining, but I think at this point you know it's wrestling and you know it's an angle. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if it was really real, I think he would have had flashbacks at the bleach blonde toddler and been like, It's Kevin Sullivan and started trying to kill him again. I, I guess at some point though the angle side of it does have to come in because where's your blow off gonna be? Yeah, you know, that's true. like um, yeah, you could just keep doing shock for the sake of shock, but also at the same time that might diminish as well, unless you just do absolutely insane stuff. But they get clever with some of the smart stuff they do as well to keep it not all mental. So you know, there's like there's a segment where Pillman's backstage wrestling a giant pencil, yeah, and it's like because the pencil is the booger, isn't it? And it's like haha, nudge nudge wink. When he goes to make the salad, and he's saying he's making the salad for Gary Jester. That yeah, and and there's the my favorite one of those is the one in the restaurant where he starts stabbing his arm with a fork. Oh, I haven't and, seen that one. And he's like looking at the and that is the scariest I've seen Brian Pillman. That is pretty um, frightening. Self mutilation. Self mutilation. It was just yeah, and I'm sh- I definitely remember the one being with him being naked, and I can't remember what happens. Oh. I thought he was wrestling the pencil naked, but he wasn't. But He's got clothes on when he wrestles the pencil. There's definitely <laughs> it's a, a phrase one. I didn't expect to use. <laughs> there's definitely a um, there's definitely one where he's nude as well. So them are the four that are right that I remember. So I'm guessing they're showing those week by week. They're showing those week by week, and there's the like two or three run-ins with Shane Douglas on that same show. But then he doesn't like. I don't think he gets involved in Douglas's actual match. Yeah, but it's a point where. Uh, Joey Styles keeps being like, look, we don't need a sink to his level. Don't give him any attention. And they're kind of furthering the appearing in the crowd thing, like he was doing at Nitro. Yeah. What's mad to think, and I don't know whether this is true or not, while he was doing these ECW appearances and he was so hot and so cool, Hulk Hogan wanted him to come in for that six versus two cage match. And really? Pillman to be the one who gets pinned. You know, it's just like... Hogan and Savage versus Evil, and there's like a triple cage full of fucking everyone ever. He wanted Pillman to be in that and get the pin. Wow. Like, Jesus. No, that would be terrible, Terry. Fuck off. Like, <laughs> that will absolutely kill everything. Well, you can't have someone being legitimately cooler and more talked about than him, I guess. I would guess so. You know, right. or he wants to leech off the legit 
you know, buzz that he's that's been created. But by pinning him in what is possibly the worst match of all time. Uh, yeah, no, fair enough. Then that would have really killed his heat. So it was it was during his um his ECW stint where he had the accident as well. The car crash. Um, right. Yeah, because I definitely remember him showing up at an ECW show in the wheelchair as well. He does. He's yeah. isn't he getting pushed by Rob Van Dam? Is he really? I have a feeling it's right, Rob Van Dam is getting wheeled to, wheeled to the ring and he's like cutting whiny promos. No, I'm almost certain this is one of the the uh, fan cam shows as well. The hot, the ones that Feinstein, basically, Right. Uh, I think still owns. Is it? Yeah, because um, I, I think there was some settlement where he has that footage. He might have sold it to WWE since then. I have a feeling that there's footage of the wheelchair bit on the network, like... There probably is. I know they've like worked with Feinstein to acquire some footage or use it for documentaries and stuff like that. But that um, might be because I'm I'm pretty sure I saw that. Yeah. When I was watching Pilmini stuff recently. Well, I remember seeing that uh, released on one of those Delta DVDs. What were the Delta DVDs? Sorry. Well, no one ECW went out of business, and I think Delta. Oh right. Oh, you know, right. and you could get them from Poundland and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. What a time. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. No. So I definitely, I definitely remember that. But other than that. I don't remember much else if they talked about Pillman actually leaving or... Not that I remember, like... Right. I, remember, I remember hearing a rumour that he pooed on the production production people's floor in their bathroom. Brilliant. It was like some little old couple who used to do the editing for ECW. That's why Joey Ryan was like, nah, I hate Brian Pillman now, or like, I'm soured on the whole experience. I'm sure I heard him say something like that. Really? Because it might even be on that Pillman DVD. But didn't they do the editing in Paul's house? Like I, these I have dads. a feeling there's like a nice old couple, but I don't think it's necessarily Heyman's parents. But right. I know that Pillman pooed on the floor. Oh. <laughs> they, you can take the, the loose cannon too far. Like. No, you don't have to work. Be a loose ass cannon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to work elderly couples who aren't wrestling fans. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much it. I, I don't I don't know when he turns up in WWF or what have you. I've seen some of the more famous beats in his story. Well, there was... Um... What got me excited about the uh, the Dark Side of the Ring documentary, and I didn't know this until I interviewed Liam O'Rourke about the uh, for the Pillman book, and um, we talk about the press conference where you see clips of it. I mean, they showed on Raw. Um, where, I think I've seen that. Where he signs, because you know they they never did anything like this where they would do a press conference. It would just be a wrestler would have a vignette and then show up, and oh, it, yeah. and it also wouldn't be acknowledged that they had a past as well. But Pillman They'll probably change the name and or gimmick as well. Pretty much, and I mean, and then it wouldn't work, and then they would eventually start using their real name. They they did it with Barry Windham. They did it with obviously Austin. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas Pillman came in, basically he was Brian Pillman. He was a loose cannon. He was brought in based on his reputation. Even if a lot of WWF fans didn't even know who he was, mm-hmm. the fact that they decided to do that with a, I mean, oh, no. To be fair. The WCW audience would have known who he was. That's true. ECW still wasn't that big at that time. Mm. Um, so they do the um, they do the contract signing, and uh, Pillman starts crying, and you've got JJ Dillon. It's been my lifelong dream. Yeah, you've got Girl Monsoon and stuff like that. That's what the show on Raw, mm. and not I, the bit where he tells him to fuck off. Well, that's the <laughs> thing. Like I didn't know about this until Liam told me about it, and it was probably common knowledge. But if you've never seen it, you've never seen it. I've never it. seen it before, and I've heard it though. So this, I don't know who has this footage or how they got it, but they showed a tiny bit of it on the Pillman uh, documentary. Like, Yo, shut the hell up! And I was hoping they would show more. Yeah. And but it, I think that's possibly all they had. Mm. Um. And uh. But yeah, no, you've got. Uh, I mean, everyone in the, you know, the in the crowd who uh, in the 
I guess audience, uh, like the press, yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah, press yeah. and inverted commas, were all WF employees, yeah, yeah. the extras. Um, but just, yeah, no, it's, um, it's crazy. So they, they do that, and then he makes his first live on TV appearance on the free for all before King of the Ring 96. Interesting. King of the Rings, the first time I remember seeing him when he yeah. comes out. Um, so on the free for all, um, and it, it's funny how things work out. Todd Pettengill just happened to be ill. That night, so he would have done the Austin Free Sixteen promo, and he Not probably would have been Michael Hayes. Yeah, so uh, Michael Hayes is like, oh, I, you know, Pillman's here. Runs up the uh, up the driveway, and Pillman's come down on his crutches and stuff like that, and uh, you know, he says, you know, I'm gonna. There's a nice moment before he speaks, if you don't mind, as interrupting that I always liked, because Austin. Austin walks past Brian Pillman. Well, that's oh no, on. that's after. Sorry, and that's later on. But this is still during the free for all. Oh, um, I'll show so you. So he's just like, you know, no, no. Well, he's just like, I'm gonna, you know, basically be controversial, drop a bomb and stuff like mm. that, and uh, you know, I'm gonna make my presence felt at the King of the Ring, and it's like you don't know what he's gonna do, and they don't talk about it throughout the entire event, and then yeah. after one of the matches, Pillman comes out to no music. People know who he is because it's he's after get, an Austin match. Isn't he's it? Getting, or is it before? No, it's just before. Right. Uh, it's just before the finals, so then uh, smartly they have Jim Ross interview Pillman because mm-hmm. um, he knows the questions to ask him and stuff like that. But uh, he's like, you know, it's great to have you here. You're a great athlete. And he's like, shut the hell up. I'm going to you know, rape, pillage and plunder the entire federation. Yeah, he, and he, Brian he, Effin Pillman. He and, brings uh, up Jeffrey Dahmer as well. He's like, I can't blame him. This place is an absolute sewer. I can't blame Jeffrey Dahmer for trying to eat, eat everyone. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, just... Leaps ahead of anything going on in WWF <laughs> at that point. It it like, it seems shocking because it does seem so un WWF. Yeah. Um. And I honestly, I mean, I don't know, but I would think that because Austin talks about it on the documentary that he was happy that Pillman came in. But I honestly think maybe at that point Austin knew he needed up his game as well. I um, I really like when they look at each other on the way out when he stops and they're like, mm, it doesn't get reference them being a Hollywood blonde. Yeah, and it doesn't get mentioned on commentary or anything like that. Ah, yeah, just no. like yeah, no, that was that was very fun, and I'm I'm sure Pillman even like does that does the next snap yeah. thing. So he like you know he's kind of on Austin's side at this point. Aye. but like you know I'm guessing a lot of people may not have remembered the Hollywood Bronze because I mean that feels like a different lifetime even it does doesn't it flair for the old and all that yeah, yeah. This. Um, and Austin certainly hadn't done anything of note on microphone at this point to make him really stand out because mm, this he, is just kind of coming out on the microphone oh, absolutely well you he had DBRC still a month before this or less than a month and DBRC was doing all the promos, and Austin, he wasn't doing as Steve Austin, he was still quiet, and he was still there. Staring at the camera, being intense and all yeah, that. Which right. really worked as well, but then you had, you know, um, Diamante Grandad behind oh, him. Yeah, <laughs> that spoils it completely, <laughs> Like, what would he see in Steve Austin to want, I mean, great athlete, I guess, but, um, you, know, know. Be, you know, before that, Ben Moore did a few house shows managed by DBRC. I did not know that. Yeah, they tested him out, and for whatever reason, it didn't, didn't happen. But, Seems uh, mental. Like, obviously we know what comes with Benoit and all of the terrible things with that but at this point he's just one of the best there is yeah I guess he probably would have been the ringmaster you know the kind of no person would have probably worked just... better with Benoit that's true um, and and also he probably needed someone to speak for him as well but yeah there's pictures out there and there's probably maybe a network dark match at this point but um, oh, interesting but um, yeah no so uh, Pillman He's kind of quiet between 
Um, the next this and the next time he's on pay per view, which is uh, September ninety six. I mean, bear in mind, King of the Ring was June, right? Uh, so July and August, SummerSlam, he wasn't on. You know, mm. he, he might have been doing the Superstar line and stuff like that. Um, but he did the ECW hotline, so it would make sense. Yeah, well, I mean, he definitely did do the Superstar line after that, but he probably was, you know, that was his use for him, I guess, at that point. And he would come out and do a bit of commentary and he would start shooting and stuff like that. And this was like the time when Austin was like, you know, Lex Luger got a bus. Like, where's my bus? I won't kick the ring. You know, like, he got a music video. And, um, and you kind of forget, really, because, I mean, he also. St- it's still Jim Ross, Vince, and uh, Mr. Perfect doing the Superstars commentary at this point. Mm. So, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't really know what, uh, you know, Pillman is massively doing at this point because he's just... He My next memory is the, gu- the gun thing. Right. After the King of the Ring. I don't... I mean, I'm no expert on it the way you are, like, but... Well, you, you, I remember King of the Ring and then the Raw with the gun. I don't remember what's in between them. Well, again, you, you kind of forget he's on the roster. So like, so it's a Mind Games, uh, which is when the little ECW thing happened. Yeah, yeah. And um, so probably smart to bring out Pillman at this point. But they do this amazing thing because they're already teasing the idea of Austin wanting to challenge Brett um, for Survivor Series. Well, not necessarily for Survivor Series, just like trying to in coax, general, coax right. him back out of retirement. And uh, in the ring, you've got uh, Owen Hart, Steve Austin and Brian Pillman just having a laugh being heels. <laughs> and it's just, again, it just adds a, an extra dimension and a freshness that you forget is there in 96 at that point. Because you forget they're on the roster. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we're stuck with... Like, I mean, I love Sovia Vega, but, like, you know, Sovia Vega, Justin Hope, Bradshaw, and stuff like that. Then you're like, oh, yeah, Pillman. Like, he's just... And Sunny and people like that. And you just the idea of Pillman you know. and Sunny being in at the same time as they're doing gimmicks, like, um, Justin Hawk and all that is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Well, the, funny enough, because, I mean, they were kind of... Um, they weren't mentioning really Pillman's association with Brett and stuff like that, but he was kind of being a bit of a nuisance trying to stir the shit with Austin, saying that Brett is great and, you know... Ah, I didn't know that. Um, And what that led to eventually... Like, Brett accepts the challenge and uh-huh. Pillman stood behind Austin watching the monitor and he's just like, yeah, and Austin goes, well, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> um, so then it eventually leads to... The, the thing on Superstars where Pillman's like, it's going to be Austin against Bret Hart, the best for his best it was. And then that's when Austin attacks him with his own cane. Right. Aye. And then that's when he puts him out for a bit mm. at that point. And it's, you know, now you got, they talk about on the, the thing, the, the, the phrase Pillman eyes, he put the leg Pillman eyes in the angle, I have seen that, yeah, yeah, and he jumps on it and that. Um, and I, what I remember at the time was, because we only had like, uh, challenge and uh, the review shows with Doc Hendricks and stuff like that. <laughs> and, um, the the cut to it, and then as soon as Austin is about to hit Pillman with the cane, he's like, "We can't show any more of this." That's, Which I actually I, think that's great. It is it is especially WWF at that point when there wasn't massive amount of violence anyway. Um. So yeah, Pillman is basically out until um early ninety seven when he starts doing the Superstar Line with Sunny again, and the kind of in a way teasing, and I think it's just them going into business for themselves. But when they're on camera, they're very touchy feely <laughs> with <bet>. each other. <laughs> um, and even the Raw magazine decided to do this little uh, angle, which went nowhere, of like paparazzi shots of Sunny and Pillman in like a beach Did house. They? Yeah, it's really fun. Um, that's pretty cool. Like, did that? Did they show that on the telly or anything? Yeah, no, just in the magazine. Just in the magazine. But the, that was Russo taking over, doing the raw things, and he right. uh, best to ask for forgiveness than permission. Not permission, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Sonny and Pillman are basically doing the superstar. I mean, 
I wish that they'd put That'd the tapes great to hear, on it? somewhere. Yeah, I've heard nothing like that. <sighs> like uh, Vince is on commentary, so he's got no control over what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and um, you know, uh, Pillman isn't on those early shotgun Saturday nights that we talk about, but yeah. he before he does his return. Um, when Shotgun goes to the arena, Shotguns Pillman is on camera, uh, doing an interview saying, you know, uh, you know, the witching hour. Barry Pillman's gonna, you know, make things controversial and stuff like that. And there's mm. Pillman and Jim Ross on commentary, mm-hmm. which really works and is really fresh and fun and cool and is probably the only p- remarkable thing about Shotgun once After they leave. It's not a club show. Yeah. Huh? Um, and then sort of um, when Raw goes to Raw's War. Um, and they're trying that's to... when I remember really getting into Raw as a kid well that I mean the, you know you just see how much they are changing their like philosophy their, their like their booking style like how they structure shows and stuff like that and they have to be looking at WCW at this point for I ideas. definitely think Raw gets more Nitro-ish a lot more but they do point. a lot of like gossip as well it's like oh Vince is like I hear that someone is backstage and it's just yeah, like yeah. it's very they're not comfortable and they're still finding the feet at this point mm-hmm. and they don't really know what they're doing sort of thing. Um, because to be fair, I think the gun angles are a perfect example of oh, that. Oh, we completely freaking skipped over the gun angles. Sorry. Um, it's, I can't believe I skipped over that, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the, um, Austin puts Pillman out and uh, they basically do an interview in Brett's house mm-hmm. and they're doing an interview... Sorry, in- in no, house. no, they're doing it in your Brett's house first. Do they? I and don't that's when that. Austin's in the arena and he's just like, right. you know, you go to Brett's house, you know, you go to Pillman's house, like maybe next week I'll show up at Pillman's house. And that's when right. he attacks one of the stagehands backstage right. and gets arrested and all that. And it really is the start of Austin at that point. Um, and it's like, yeah, the uh, and then that raw happens. Um, and it's it's also notable for the debut of D- Double J Jesse James. Josh Josh. So it's definitely definitely not Jarrett. <laughs> so it's definitely the wrong dog. It's definitely oh God. <laughs> it's definitely a roar of two halves at this point. So um, do you know what really sums that up? Actually, I noticed this watching that roar. Yeah, was, they are doing the segments at Pillman's house. Where it's all like, oh, it's scary and he's got a gun. And it's like, and next, see what happened in our karate fighters toy tournament. Yeah. And you get like, here we are in a cave with Terry Runnels and Sid Vicious playing toys. Now, back to Austin, getting murdered. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, if right, if it was really real, I guess they are legally obliged to include the sponsors and everything. True, you know I, mean? I guess, <laughs> so, I guess. But this doesn't seem real. This seems like a fucking... Like cops or like some cheesy fucking police it, TV show. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously. Oh, come on. Uh, he pulls a gun and it makes the power go out. No, I know. I know. Oh, fuck off. It, <laughs> I think, you, I guess you have to look at it from a point of view of like, what, November, December 96, where if kids are watching it, they'll definitely think it's real. The outside looks real. But you know, also, he's hitting them with the bins and pouring bins on them and that, he's mates. Yeah, so but Vince and Jim Ross, and I think Lola and Cooper, Lola's not heel mode at this point. No, he They're just like, isn't. can you tell us what's happening? And I mean, they're completely, because the crowd aren't in on this. So, you know, even though it's a live raw, but the, um, I, I, for WWF, this is done very realistically. For WWF. For WWF, then, maybe. Um, and, you know, they, they have a camera in the house. It's not multiple camera shots and stuff like that. They have a camera run outside to see Austin jam that someone's head great. in the door and that stuff like that. That bit looks really good. Um, they, 
I mean, they could have done it without the gun. Um, the, the gun ruins it. Like, in pulling out, like, this is wrestling, I don't have guns. I remember my dad saying that when I was a kid, and that was the like, real start from being like, wrestling is fucking stupid, wrestling is shit. Like, mm. what has happened to it compared to the past? Like, he's pulling a gun on television. And I, I couldn't really disagree with me dad. As much as I liked hearing Pillman say fuck during that segment, mm-hmm. it's like the only time anyone said fuck on Raw. No one brings that up, but like, just hear you know Kevin Kelly screaming for someone to call the police and like Jerry Lawler going just get the gun Kevin just get the gun it's so over the top it's over the top but they tried seriously there wasn't any you know indication that this wasn't a part of an angle you know what I mean like, as well when it comes back I guess what might make it real because it made it real confusing after the bit where it's the power's gone out and it comes back on. Kevin Kelly's like, no one was harmed by the explosions. We've got the power the back explosions. on. Explosions? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? They probably can't see gun. Like, oh, gunshots. I, I bet you if you watch... But he says Pillman 9mm. Yeah, he does. He does gun. Pillman... He's got the gun on telly. He says fuck. He literally well, says fuck on Raw. Yeah, but that, I think we've established that Pillman will do what he wants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but whereas, you know, I, I honestly think that words like gun and gunshot, etc. were Just not banned. allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, I mean, they go into this slightly on the, on the dark side episode, uh, Vince goes on TV on live wire cause that's when you could kind of shoot, I guess. Um, uh, but the, the shot, but within the context of not just flat out saying wrestling's fake. Mm-hmm. So they were like, yeah, that shouldn't have happened. We shouldn't have allowed that to happen. It wasn't like we wrote this terrible angle. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Like, they were like was, we allowed this to go too far. They were very smart in that sense. I that think. is good. That. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you had people ringing up. That was what it was like. A the complaint. complaints. It was a complaint. Uh, no, but on. Eh. Oh like, yeah, I knew loads of people rang the network to complain. Vince is in the studio. Like Jim Ross is in the studio. Todd can't handle any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Todd's there to be fair. It might be Michael Hayes, but I think this is when you have uh, Vince Russo come on as well and he's like you oh know, good old Vic Venom yeah and he's like shooting as well and um, but when you've got real people ringing up and you know there's a week when Austin comes on and you've got this like man going like you know you're so talented you really need to swear uh-huh. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and Austin's like you know you can tell that he's never been called out basically by like a, a mom yeah a mom <laughs> it's like you can be, you're not scared of any wrestler but Except you're scared moms. of a man <laughs> <laughs> I get it I get it <laughs> Um, so yeah, but I mean, they were like, we're never going to show this again, and they never did, um, apart from on DVDs years later, um, and it was it was very very quickly dropped, and again, Pillman really wasn't on TV until the Superstar Line stuff when, and then the Shotgun episodes, and then eventually. I believe it was Austin he attacked in those wonderful tie dye pants. And that was really, for me, the start. Because Monday Night Raw's War was happening at that point, but even during that time, they still had the awful South African show and the Germany show where they were yeah. basically house shows. Um, um, but they, that was the start of like a fresh angle. That wasn't a continuation, really, of like sort stuff of from the previous. No, no, well, even just the previous few weeks when before oh, right, they okay. brought in the Titan Tron and stuff like that. This was starting some from from scratch, and uh, yeah, that was the start of Pillman. He probably still wasn't ready to wrestle at this point. He was still commentating at this point. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, he attacked Austin, and then they were basically teasing whether he was on the Hart Foundation side because I don't think. Nightheart had shown up by this point. How do you know? I don't think he did. Um, and the start of a Raw where Pillman's praying 
and he's like, you know, he's praying for, you know, um, for Austin to be cleansed of his sins and stuff. Like that. And, and, and Is that why he's got the big cross on the back of his waistcoat? It might be, um, but yeah, he's sort of like, you know, we know Pillman's full of shit, like, you know, but he's like, because he can't even do it with a straight face and stuff like that. And then you find out that it was all bullshit by the end, and then yeah, yeah, he attacks yeah. Austin and all that kind of stuff, and then. That's basically the the start of the Hart Foundation, but they kept still denying on camera that he was a member. I don't think officially he was ever really a member. He he was just the tag-along sort of thing. I I find that a bit confusing. It was unnecessarily confusing. I, I don't remember him, and this could just be my lack of memory, but I don't remember him being very loose cannony by the time the Hart Foundation comes along. Like he's he's not flying Brian or anything but he's not mad to the extent of like the ECW angles and he doesn't see mental like the gun pulling foreman at the mouth pillman in, in his house for me not until the Goldust storyline is it I mean I like that story but he's not mental in that at all he's just a heel he's a heel but he's, it's another side of the loose cannon though where he's like sort of um cuckold and cuckold yeah basically <laughs> um you know, it's almost like he's found a different way to create havoc just by messing with someone's life. And I guess when you're looking it, at you know that way. Um, so he does seem more just dastardly rather yes. than like psychotic <laughs> by that point. Well, I mean, if you if you listen to Pillman Junior and stuff like that, I don't think this was what Pillman was expecting from his WWF run. I mean, obviously, it didn't help that his ankle was naked, but I think I... he would have. You know, he obviously still went for it and everything like that. Like, I know Pil- Pillman loved wearing the dress, you know, when he was mm-hmm. like, screw it at this point. Pillman Jr. is like, he doesn't like talking about his dad wearing the dress. <laughs> like, you know, because it's the thing that people remember from WWF at that point. Um, <laughs> I remember the gun more than the dress. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I did like this segment, though, like where, you know, where he's lying in bed with Terry after he's like won the match for whether he gets to keep Terry Reynolds and just like lying there mortified. I'm like, that's some pretty envelope pushing shit, that like. That must have been Rousseau involvement. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, we'll, de- we'll definitely get that. So the, um, the, we're basically building up Pillman against Austin at the King of the Ring. Right. It was 97. 97. And uh, Pillman. I, I'm guessing we're still not ready at the well before that point they wanted to get Pillman off commentary right. um, to put him on the road okay. so Pillman I mean he's, he's at this point he's constantly being more controversial etc and I think he might be interfering in some matches and Jim Ross is like you'll get fired if you you know remember your contract and stuff like that mm. and then eventually he attacks a fan and he starts stumbling with a pencil and stuff like that and a lot of people haven't seen that I don't seen, think I've seen that like, unless you've seen the WF documentary it's uh, the ECW fork thing is the only thing I think of well this is with a pencil because he sat at the commentary table so you've got a, you've got a pencil and it's the booger thing again as well isn't it here we go with there the you pencil go. you're um, getting beat down by the booger a little subtle thing I guess yeah like, um, so yeah no he gets fired from the uh, not from you're the company getting pencil fucked isn't it what they used to call it <laughs> the booger screwing you over like that you get pencil fucked yeah. so he's pencil fucking this one <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. He doesn't get fired from the company. He just gets fired from commentating on a B show, which is probably for the best. Yeah, I was like, know? get in. I would have stopped him sooner <laughs> if I'd done that. <laughs> so, yeah, no, um, they're leading up to uh, Austin and uh, Pillman at King of the Ring 97, and they're also leading up to uh, Bret Hart against Shawn Michaels in a 10-minute challenge, where if... Um, Can you listen to Shawn Michaels talk for 10 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> that's all of the promos there. <laughs> So more about me. <laughs> so neither of those matches happen, um, because uh, Brett injures his leg, and uh, you know. And is that a legitimate leg injury? That is a legitimate leg injury, but they uh, they play on it by having Austin 
pulmonized breast leg. Right, I I think I remember that actually. So, um, basically, in the storyline, because it was uh, Sean and Austin won the tag belts from the Hard Foundation at this point, but they weren't getting along. So Pillman was like, I will give up my magic thing for the the good of the foundation. The good of the Commonwealth. (laughs) But really, he's scared of Austin and he doesn't want to get in the ring with him. Right. Um, So uh, it ends up being Michaels against uh, Austin, the King of the Ring. But uh, Pillman is there and he's doing an interview and he's, um, I think he's got the Austin 316 shirt, but it's like, like, um, it's either Pillman 911 or something like that or you know I, I, um, I know what you mean and that's when um, Pettigill's interviewing him and then Austin shows up from behind like pops up like from behind <laughs> and that's when he attacks Pillman flushes his head down the toilet um, <laughs> I forgot about that swirly. But, and, but the thing is there also happens to just be a camera above like a Peep and Tom camera like, <laughs> what, you know? what is there with that era of wrestling Heat Scan and the Bug it's Sullivan and Benoit Austin it's, and Pillman I mean, I guess you should have booked a toilet match. <laughs> it's like you can only win it if you flush the other guy. Well, yeah, and get T.L. Hobbit a ref it as well. You know, <laughs> see if writes itself. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, he gives uh, Pillman the swirly, and uh, later on that night, Brett comes out for the first time without cr- appropriate revenge having a gun pulled on you, <laughs> <laughs> giving someone a swirly. It's a good job it wasn't a knife, otherwise I had to wedge you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the the whole Hard Foundation come out that night and the table's already been destroyed and Brett's meant to come out and do commentary. But this is when he's like, I'm healed, I'm fully healed, it's going to be five on five against whoever WWF wants to choose. And this for Survivor Series. For, for, no, Canadian Stampede. Oh, my favourite. Um, <laughs> and uh, Pillman is just off on one as well. He uh, like holds, he goes up the commentary table and grabs a lamp and, uh, like me. a police interrogation, he's holding it against Jim Ross's face and stuff like that. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I don't think I've seen any of the build for this. I've just seen the pay per view. It's done kind of realistically because it's like there's no fanfare over them getting moved. It's just like there's no chair. There's no mic. Yeah. You're just gonna have to leave. You know. What I mean? <laughs> so like, so then the, um, you know, they think it's a conspiracy against them. And I've got to say, Pillman is also a cold day in hell as well. Because uh, the Hard Foundation have got front row tickets. I don't think and I've seen that one. It's just so they can get involved in the Undertaker Austin match. It's not the most right, okay, okay thing ever in the cost Austin, and it help. That's a month before King of the Ring, so it just helps build up the Austin Pillman feud, basically. Right. Okay. Um, because they're moving away from Austin and Brett at this point, right. and they're not quite at Austin and Owen. Okay. Um, and part of me thinks that maybe they didn't have enough. Confidence in Pillman's ability to main event, like in terms of his being that than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, not so much as on his ability as a drawer. Or a oh, character absolutely or no, not. No, um, but you know, or maybe Austin was worried about something. But they kind of moved away from Austin and Pillman quite quickly. They have mm. the match the next night on Raw. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I'll be honest, I don't remember much about. I know Shamrock comes out at the end and I think Belly Belly's some of the, and I there's think always they, shitloads of run-ins in that era as well it makes it dead hard to remember stuff there really is and this is when Austin hadn't quite picked his team for Canadian Stampede at this point because even Sid comes out at one point who ends up on that team I remember the Road Warriors Goldust and uh, Shamrock Shamrock's the other one but they were teasing Michaels and Sid because there's a bit where and the Patriot actually because Pillman Patriot would have made sense well he hadn't even wrestled at this point it's, it's, it's this weird thing where Austin stood at the top of the ramp Michaels comes out Sid comes out for the first time in about a month and this was his last night in the company he leaves after this bit really he doesn't even stay for the full night Jesus um, 
And uh, the paper comes out. Yeah, taxi running us. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess they just had to scramble very quickly and uh, put the very odd team together of Shamrock, Goldust, and. Uh, <laughs> it, it is a mismatch, but I still love it. It's still my favourite WWF <sighs> show, you know. Oh, so let's get into uh, Canadian Stampede. Uh, like, such a wonderful event. Um, it, for me, it's actually one of the most feel good events. Ever because it's such a happy up for it Canadian crowd. Definitely, and um, I love a show like that. You know, mm. it's, it's so often you don't see the crowd get what they want. It reminds me of that three on three match where, um, I think it's Hall Nash and Six versus Kevin Green, Ric Flair, and Roddy Piper. Right. I'm trying. I can't quite remember the event. It's something like a slamboree or something like that. But th- there's like a three on three match like that where the crowd so desperately. Want the faces to win, or like their faces, you know what I mean? And they're not necessarily faces like a Canadian Stampede, the Heart Foundation have been heels all the time, yeah. but their faces there. <laughs> I just, there's something I love about seeing a crowd absolutely erupt and just be so happy. Bulldog coming out in the UK, any hometown yeah. stuff, it just it galls me when you see the, like, as much as I love Canadian Stampede for the crowd getting what they want, I hate the end of One Night Only where Bulldog. Me too. Absolutely destroyed. Especially after they've done all the stuff about the like the dying kid or his dying sister or something. It's like be predictable. It's fine. You can yeah. I really don't like Bulldog needed to win that. Like yeah. Especially as a British fan watching that for it just to be more heel bullshit for Michaels. I did not like that. So um, I mean, we'll do a show on the event eventually but they like WWF really knows how to stir up the Canadian crowd it's like proper ceremonial they introduced the the mayor of you know the city <laughs> uh, who probably was overwhelmingly voted you know he's probably got like a 100% approval rate and he's got like a, he's a sheriff's hat on like cowboy hat <laughs> and like you know looks exactly how you, how you want him to <laughs> oh, and then they're like and Stu and Helen Hart and it's just like it's like the royal family oh, isn't it it really is and Stu is just in his element like because he knows he's getting involved in the angle as well yeah. which is great <laughs> um and then Pillman's the first out, I believe, Aye. as well. And um, it's one of those things that I'll still go back and I'll get emotional when you see all of them on stage together. Yeah. And they're all gone. The extra hearts all running in the ring and all that. And there's the massive Oh, no, not even that. that. Just the entrances, because they all come out individually. Oh. And, like, Nightheart gets his moment, probably his only moment in 97, because there wasn't much going on for Nightheart at that point. Bulldog comes out with Miss Calgary, who just won a pageant. <laughs> <laughs> but when they're all on the stage, and then it's like the troops going in, they all walk down It's together, class, isn't it? And the crowd just erupt again. And it's just like, oh, like it is. My favourite event. And then again, the fact that they're just, there's only Brett. Now as well, it's That's awful. really emotional. And, you know, I never... Look at the other side as well. Both of the Road Warriors are dead. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, it's but think, grim that time. I think the fact though that it's like in Calgary though, and it's just like this perfect moment in time, and you even hear the family, like since then, go. That was the last time we were all in the ring and happy. And, that massive you know, like group invasion at the end after the after the win. Yeah, it's um, so good. It really is. Um, you know, even Owen's wife's in there, and uh, the children they're like carrying the little bands and that. It's, well, they, they it's even so bring fun. In, they, like Carney is out as well. It really. What what I love about Stu is like because Pillman's trying to help him in the ring. Like utmost respect. Like he's Britain carrier. He didn't give mm. a fuck. Like and Stu's just I'm fine. <laughs> he just, like, he shoves Pillman's arm away, and then Helen gets in the ring, and it's just like and Jerry Lawler's like Stu and Helen are. 
you're responsible for all of this. Bret's <laughs> <laughs> like an ECW invasion, like how the ring didn't collapse. And, yeah. ah, you know. But Brett tells a story about um, a random lad who gets in the ring. Because how do you know it? That There's so many people coming in. I'm hot, honest. <laughs> um, and the last shot of Canadian Stampede is Brett and... Who the fuck's this guy? <laughs> I would love to be that random guy. Oh, so yeah, no, Pilm, there's something Pilm, as an antagonist, um, I can't remember if someone had just done a finisher or whatever, because every time a member of the team gets tagged in, boom, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. so um, I can't remember what happened, but I think someone did a finisher or went for a pin, and Pilman gets in the ring and stamps on him, but then he sort of like proper mocks him in the ring, he's just like jumping, going, ah, 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 just like, <laughs> That's and the sort of stuff he's doing on those nitro problems. Oh, proper just childish antagonism. Yeah. Like, and you just want to slap him, but you can't also help not love him as well. But uh, And you can tell they're just having such a laugh. Like, like even Austin, like he's having the time of his life when he gets arrested at the end. And he just proper stirring up the crowd. And then arms behind his back starts flipping off the I crowd. <laughs> and, and Vince is just absolutely disgusted with it. And it's just... And there's... And there's Going back now, because like I'm not fussed about going to events now. I'll be honest, like it, like, and I probably will be once things open back up. But in terms of like, if I could go back in time, in sacrifice, going to see any other show for like one show, be it Canadian Stampede, Canadian Stampede would be the one. Because when they're in the crowd as well, because the camera, the the hard camera is on the floor, but the stamina, that hard camera is shaking. Aye, aye. Like it's just, if I can't, if you, I think everyone's probably seen it by now. But there's a reason as well why the tag classics at the time in this country, for whatever, well, for this reason, they decided to put 13 and 16, 16. together. I had that because DVD. Because the main events. Aye. Um, what, what's 16 again? That's Canadian Stampede. So what was 13, sorry? Final four, where Vader rips his eye open. And oh, that, aye, aye. That, yeah, that, yeah. They have that the, the fallout after event. the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Aye. Um, and just based on those main events alone... That's why I think they put those together. But that also really pissed off the guy who interviewed you. He's like, I have to be in order. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, no, I mean, arguably Pillman's shining moment in WF at that point. Um, As uh, you know, I think as much as the gun was potentially a low point, but it really was part of his character. Mm. Um, It wasn't like we we dressed him up as like a clown or like, you know. It's a low point creatively, but not a low point for the character, if that makes sense. Like as a product to view, it's a low point for the character. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, So not long after that, uh, because we're building up the SummerSlam, uh, we're building up the Goldust feud at this Mm, point. Right. Because he really doesn't seem mental in this. No. Well, there's there's just... there's a couple of um, there's a couple of uh, sort of shoot remarks about Dusty and stuff like that, and then Pillman starts mocking Goldust for being a pansy for crying yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. You know, and um, this is like so the building up to this match where if uh, Pillman loses, he wears the dress mm-hmm. on Raw, and Pillman's taking some unnecessary bumps during this. It's match. almost like he's trying to prove it, isn't it? Yeah, but Jim Ross is also incredible at saying, like, look into Pillman's eyes when he's got a headlock and called us. And yeah. luckily, the director gets a shot of Pillman, and luckily, Pillman looks at the camera. Vince is just like oh like you know they they do a great job of it it's just one of those things where it just all comes together but Pillman's on all the time so he doesn't have to worry about Jim Ross being professional enough to say good things about him Um, 
uh, Ove Pillman leaves the ring, they know that Jim Ross is now going to talk about Pillman's legit sporting background, which he did on the Yeah, 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 you know? always. Um, and, it, you know, it's what needs to be done to add some legitimacy, especially behind your mantors. And sort of when Mantor came out, he was just like, he was a co- college footballer, wasn't yeah. he? And Jim Ross is like, you know, regardless of the silly costume and stuff like that. Whereas Vince is like, he's out. He's a cow! He goes moo! <laughs> so, um, no one yeah. likes football! Everyone likes cows! <laughs> the but, super beef! <laughs> so, um, yeah, Pillman loses the match. And the thing is that they save this botched spot really well. And I never point these things out, but it's just, I think it's worth pointing out within the context. Goldust goes for the sunset rip flip over the rope. Right. But Pillman's too far away. Right. So he's like, he doesn't get it, and the mm. crowd stop booing it. Right. And he eventually tries to get him over, and um, P- Pillman's on his knees on Golda's shoulder, mm. and he's trying to get to the rope to get some leverage. To stop him. Huh? And also just save the spot. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. if something gets messed up, I make think it look like a struggle. It's fine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's a spot that they have to then do again, then you know they've just fucked up. I, and I really again. agree with that. I fucking hate if someone repeats a spot just after it's gone wrong. It's it's supposed to be a fight, so make it look like not everything you did works. There's only one time I forgave it was Taker and Flair at Mania 18 when he didn't do the flip over the rope. And Taker's like, do you want to try it again, kid? And he's just... <laughs> <laughs> but I think the crowd would have been disappointed if he didn't do That's it That's a bit different. Um, so, yeah, no, so... And then they get over to the rope. Pillman's got his hands on the rope. Terry knocks him out with the purse. And uh, Goldus gets him with the sunset flip. And uh, Terry picks up the, the mannequin and puts it in the ring. Then Pillman just, like, destroys the mannequin. But what I love about it as well, though, that it's... I mean, because it's cheesy and comedy... But it's like, Jer- Jerry Lowe's like, you're really pushing him now. Like, you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And the next night, it's so good. The um, Goldust, before GTV, they put a hidden camera in Pillman's thing and uh, they'll see Pillman trying on the dress and he's tripping over and stuff like that. <laughs> and just like, um, and Slaw is good as well. He's just like, this is what you're wearing and you're not, you know, I think... Pillman antagonizes sort of so he's like, Well, you know what, you're not just wearing it tonight, you're wearing it every week until you win a match. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure something similar happened to Perry Saturn. Didn't he enjoy wearing the dress though? Uh, did, why do wrestlers it? always enjoy wearing dresses? <laughs> well apparently Pillman got a, he loved wearing the dress because he's just crazy and he just, you know, can get mileage out of it and stuff like that. So there's like a bit where the first time you see fumbling behind the curtain and slaughter legit just pushes Pillman. <laughs> <laughs> and then he blocks him from getting back in the ring and stuff like that and uh, the start like going Vince is like oh he's wearing a saucy Versace number tonight <laughs> <laughs> and they do a bit where so Goldus keeps costing Pillman every week so he has to stay in the dress great the stuff dress. so like he, I think the first week they put the, the footage on the Titantron and Pillman's just he doesn't oversell it. He's just shaking. <laughs> like, just like, you know what I mean? Just like, um, and then he has to lose to like lower echelon names like <laughs> Double J and uh, Flash Funk. People who never really won matches at that Aye. point. Um, and then the next week, uh, what does he do the next week? Isn't that weird to think Two Cold Scorpio and Flying Brian Pillman having a match would involve a dress on WWF? <laughs> <laughs> Without any of their pasts being <laughs> mentioned, mentioned at all. So I think it's the road, the, the uh, Double J one, where Goldust just calmly walks to the ring and does an elbow drop on Double J and gets <laughs> him into <the> <laughs> Amazing. And I think he even loses to Sparky Plug. And, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know. Um, and I think eventually, he, I don't think he ever wins the match, like to stop wearing the dress. 
I think what he's this is when the deal is made when like Pillman says, you know, Dakota, she's mine, she's my love child, and Golden yeah. gets really pissed <laughs> yeah. off. So then Pillman's like, right, you know, I stop wearing the dress if we have one more match, and the match is, you know, if you lose, I get Terry for thirty days, but if you if I lose, I'm gone from the WWF forever. And Goldus is like he's a mm. bit tempted, <laughs> but Terry accepts it. And Goldus is like, "What are you what doing? What are you doing? What if I lose?" Yeah. Um, so then, Ground Zero uh, and the crowd. I mean, it's a Louisville crowd, and they want <laughs> Pillman to make off with. Terry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, and just slight sidebar, you know. Yeah, it was rumored that when Terry, the, was, who were legit in the relationship. Well, aside from that, what I was going to get to. Okay. When Pillman was tagging with Zenk, they went to have a threesome with Terry, and that Terry backed out at the last minute. That's the rumour anyway, but I've heard loads really? of people say it. And bless her, she must have just got a bit scary, because that is pretty intimidating. That but then, like, I, to see this angle years later is quite fun. And then the thing is as well, it's having to acknowledge the WCW past as well. Aye. And I mean, they did it with Goldust. They mentioned Dusty every week. Aye. They, they'll just... mention your past if I'm shitting on it. That's true. That's true. Um... So yeah, the Ground Zero match, uh, they go for the purse spot again, but Pillman grabs it from Terry and then nails Goldust and the, the males in the crowd are just like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a great, it's on a shotgun where like the, he's antagonising Terry and she's not with Pillman at this point and Pillman runs around the ring and he gooses Terry <laughs> and, then oh, runs, Jesus. and then runs off. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, Pillman wins and uh, Dustin is... Like he probably legit just drags her up the aisle. <laughs> he does fuck cave man. <laughs> and then Goldust chases after Pillman, and uh, he's in the streets of Louisville, just <laughs> like that, <laughs> you know. Like, um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I, the after that because it's a month before Pillman uh, Pillman dies, but the next four weeks are of Pillman doing the, the Triple X Files. Yeah. Uh, and he has a couple of matches, because you, you see Terry in person in the gear, uh, all levered up and stuff, and mm. the hair, the hair greased back. Greased back. Aye. Uh, not looking comfortable at all. And, she uh, plays it really well. It is uncomfortable to watch. Like, it's really well done. <laughs> um, and that's when Goldust, like comes out with the half-face paint as well, because, mm. uh, you know, he's just... He, like he, he does just, now. Well, yeah, you're going through like a legit serious depression, and um, funny enough, because uh, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. To the bad blood match was meant to be Pillman against Dude Love, but Goldust was going to be handcuffed at ringside, and if Dude Love won, Goldust would have got five minutes in the ring with Pillman, or got oh, a match right. with him or something like that. Right, I see. And I feel that that's when Terry would have turned on Goldust at that point. Yeah. That's when the thirty because the next night they were going to get married again on Raw. Um, who were Goldust and P- they were going to renew the uh, vows oh Goldust and Terry right? Uh, okay. yeah and obviously none of that happened no, no and so course. either they were going to turn a heel then or turn a heel during the vows and have Pillman come out and that would have been know. a class I love trash <laughs> it's a proper like TNA wedding that isn't it I it, love shit like it that it really is so um, yeah no, the, uh, the triple X files are incredible they are aren't they <laughs> Single camera That's shot. some risky pushing shit. That well, it's I mean, it's Pillman is like he's just set up a camera on a tripod. Or oh, and they're lying in the bed in the, in the hotel. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's just lying there, really uncomfortably under the duvet. That's got to be one of the most risky things they did. It really, That's really like the things they're implying there are heavy. Yeah. Um, and it's just a shame we never got either 
Terry's character change or some kind of comeuppance for Brian because of the tragedy that follows, obviously. Well, yeah, we'll get into the like of Goldus eventual uh, eventual turn, but yeah, no, you've got to see the Triple X files, unbelievably still unedited on the network, um, <laughs> but, but they aren't on Peacock. <laughs> um, so. Um, there's one match that I specifically remember where it's Pillman against Owen Hart. Uh, even though they're in the Hart Foundation together, they get put in a Intercontinental title tournament. And they do the, it's the Madison Square Garden Raw where Austin comes out and stuns Vince and stuff like that. This is the precursor to that. So they just like uh, Pillman comes out with a fake arm injury and then Slaughter's like, catch the mic, and then he catches the mic, and then he's just like, oh, you know, it's a miracle. You know? uh, so they're doing like proper pretendy lock ups and. <laughs> loose headlocks and stuff like that and they, they cut to the break and Vince is like if anything happens <laughs> during the and then they come back and they're still doing pretendy wrestling and then Terry outside the ring like does something to own and Owen's like that's your manager doing that like you know and then <laughs> yeah. Terry starts stirring the shit and then they start the match but then it's during that match where Austin comes out attacks them both then Vince gets in the ring because Austin's not meant to go near Owen because there's a restraining order Right. And then Vince is like, you're going to get arrested, what are you doing? <laughs> like, don't you know that we care? And then Austin does the stunner and then it all kicks off from there. But that's the precursor, you know, it's, oh, that Raw is... Can you remember which Raw that is, if there's anyone... September 22nd, 97. It's what 97 had been leading up to, in my opinion, because it's the debut of Cactus Austin stuns Vince, amazing. Then the Cactus Jack thing, and it's just like... Hit after hit, and it, it? it's like it's like greatest the, hits to it. It's like the light bulb went off, and they're like, This is what we do. Do you know what? Do. We should actually do good wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> it, what, it's the garden. No more baseball men, no more cows. Let's it's, do wrestling. It's the garden as well, and the show, like, you can't get away with being shit there. No, they've the shown previous garden moments. They show one of the better hype packages I think I've ever seen where Jim Ross is. It's that proper superhero music that they kept like, and Jim Ross is like, you know, from Andre to all the champions and the legends and stuff yeah. what history is going to be made tonight and then loads oh, <laughs> because the thing is though when you're not expecting any of it to happen aye that's when it's because if it, if none of that had happened it would have been a perfectly good role aye you know Ahmed returns to the face and he's over as hell and, mm. and you know all of that kind of stuff but it's and it's main evented by Bretton Goldus but Bretton Goldus for the title was just so low down on the totem pole by this I by, don't even remember that happening by <laughs> the end of that role um, and so yeah that was Pillman's I believe arguably his last match on TV um, now I could be wrong about that but um, but then he wrestles the previous night to Bad Blood as St Paul's uh, I believe maybe against Dude Love or Austin no Austin was injured so probably Dude Love or Goldust right um, and then we all know what happened the, the next mm. night Vince mm. goes on the free for all uh, and says what happened and um yeah, the, the the match got replaced by midgets. <laughs> Fucking hell, I didn't know that. They, they put on two bonus matches and it was uh, midgets and uh, it was DOA against Los Bariquas. Um, oh, if ever there's a bonus, it's <laughs> DOA versus Los Bariquas, my least favourite thing of 97. Oh, so yeah, no, so the, the Heart Foundation are coming out that night and obviously they've got to mention it in the like the commentators, why Owen's feeling a bit down. And there's, there's just a gloom over the event until the Hell in the Cell match. Um, you know, Brett and Bulldog are not into their match against Patriot Vader, no. and because of that, the crowd aren't as into it as you know. The, How can you be though? Like, no. 
even the the crowd know what happened by then, don't they? Like how are you not just? I don't know, you know. I don't know if they were told in the arena. Really. Um, because I mean, there was no cell, no mobile phones unless people got texts or paged or whatever. You know. You could still text. You you could still text. What was it? Ninety seven. It was ninety seven, but I mean, it's certainly not as you know. There might be a few people readily done as now. Yeah. Uh, maybe a few people might have known, but not known whether to believe it or not, because it could have still been an angle. You know what I mean? so raged with Pillman. Yeah, like, in those that like two year period. Um. So, uh, between then and Survivor Series, uh, and I forgot about this that uh, Marlena becomes Marlena again and manages Goldus one time. No, oh, I didn't they, know. They're that. just back to normal. And just and not Terry. Yeah, and they just don't, and then the, after that they mention they do the interview where Golders turns heel and says I've got a new love. It turns out to be Luna, and uh, I remember they mentioned when you were away for thirty days, I had to be the dad and the mom and all yeah. that. Yeah, so it's class that. That is really they're still mentioning. Doesn't he do it as like a phone interview from home or something like no, that? No, it's it's Jim Ross, Terry, and Dustin in a room. Oh, I don't um, know what I'm thinking of. And um, the that was really the last mention of Pillman. Um, you know, in terms of a storyline sense. and But funnily enough, there was still a load of merch to be released of Pillman, so there were like action oh, figures right. released well into night really? at that point. Um, I mean, but, but like, there was a line of action figures with like Pillman and Patriot who had been gone for months, but over that November, December, when you think of all the names that were gone, Warzone came out in like October 98 and bought Brett and Bulldog and Armada on it. It's such a like that is WWF ninety seven in Warzone mm-hmm. like isn't it? Mm-hmm. But there's just like say so many changes that like it's so outdated by the time you know. I I love that game, but I do remember playing it and thinking this is fucking nowhere near what is going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? They mention it as well. The the creators in the interview they were like, "Do we take Brett out?" It's like, well, there'd only be fifteen people on the game, and there's barely yeah. that many anyway. Aye. Um. So the the leave them in. So yeah, in terms of uh, Pillman stuff with WWE particularly. Um, he got the Legends deal in like 0506 which Melanie saw the rewards of I guess oh well obviously this is the next night on Raw with Melanie but I didn't really want to get into that Dark Side goes into that we're talking his loose cannon character not what I found interesting though was they got a very close up shot of the WCW magazine with the thorns on the cover on WWF telly Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Vince even had to acknowledge it at that point so um, and I'm assuming Nitro did a tribute I can't remember but I would I would assume so. Yeah, um, and then nothing really until about 06 when they did the documentary and they did some figures and they did the trading card and he was under a Legends contract for a good few years on the games and stuff mm-hmm. and that's what led to Liam O'Rourke watching the Pillman documentary going, this does not nearly cover, cover. what you need to cover. Yeah. and um, I feel the same about the Mr. Perfect one. It's like proper short like that. So, the, you know, he felt the need to write the book. and uh, Which I've just started reading, actually. I'm oh, really enjoying it. I mean, you've got to find the clip of Bischoff blatantly denying something. And I've heard that episode of 83 Weeks where, he's, <laughs> where he just shits all over and says it's all made up. Well, what he doesn't go into, because I think it's after that, is when Lemo rocks at Starcast and then ends up in the lift with him. <laughs> and he's like, I heard you're standing off the book. And he's like, oh, well, it was presented, the news was presented. And he was like, so you didn't read the book then, did you? And then the lift finally opened after the longest 30 seconds of Bischoff's life at that point <laughs> and he was just like oh what an event this is and then just walked off and um, <laughs> so uh, and so after like, it was all just for the podcast <laughs> so after uh, Pillman's Legends contract runs out I mean because you never get notified of these things you know what I mean they just stopped being Pillman merch but the good thing about that now is that the Pro Pillman family are making loads. well the Pillman family have ultimate say and uh, mm-hmm. they've, they've just done a little mini uh 
figure of Pillman's ECW debut. That's really cool. There's uh, there's t-shirts and everything. So as a as I've a been tempted fan, by some of those t-shirts, like oh yeah, I mean as a Pillman fan, they're going into Flying Brian and Hollywood Blondes and stuff, and it's the respect that he deserves. But it also, and I talked to Liam about this as well, that it seems right that it's independently made. It does, doesn't it? But licensed merchandise. That it's not WWE putting their spin on it or WWE Sheen. I'm too like, bur- like, I'm w- too burned like that for when they bring out new documentaries and books and stuff because there's always so much spin. Oh, and, 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 and quite rightly, you're like with there's a new Japan Vader that's just come up, but there's a big WWE logo on the yeah, box. Yeah, it's, it's a class doll. Like <laughs> I, I would have liked that, but I don't want a massive WWE logo on a thing of Vader I'm, in New Japan. Like, I do understand. So yeah, no, so that I mean, basically, that kind of marks the end of Pillman. With WWE, except the uh, the tribute shows, uh, one of which was in I believe ninety nine or two thousand, where Benoit faced Regal, and that got Regal his job in WWF. Did it? it was I've seen that match. match like that is really good. Yeah, um, and I don't know how long the the Pillman tribute shows. There was a tribute magazine they put out. Was uh, A few other things, yeah, and uh, apart from and there was interviews that Pillman did with WWF on a previous magazine that was put in there, and there was photo shoots and all that kind of stuff. Just and I think it was to raise money for the family. Like right. when they did their own magazine, so it was, you know, um, with the best intentions and stuff like that. But also, they only had a year's worth of Pillman material to work off. It wasn't Aye, like they could use not... the WCW stuff or anything like that. Um, but yes, so, um, take it away. Um, well, we have some questions. I'm glad to have the questions at the end so we don't get too bogged down and sad about the Brian story ended. <laughs> So, these questions uh, start with Paul, who is not you. <laughs> Paul what? asked. What? <laughs> the other Paul. It was me, Paul. It was me all along. Paul. Oh, that's quite ironic what I said. I'm just about to read the question. What oh, the fucking Paul? Oh, okay. <laughs> Paul asked, Some old raw clips have recently come up on my YouTube, and one of them was it, me, Austin, the higher power reveal, which is still stupid. I was wondering what you thought the worst reveals or angle payoffs were that you can recall. Ooh, good lord. I mean, potentially... Uh, Lugo with the balloons. <laughs> the SummerSlam one. <laughs> Ooh, I won by countout and didn't get the belt. It's absolutely fine that you won by countout, but don't, you don't have, have the, the ticket tape parade. I <laughs> <Aye>, you know. <laughs> um, the Vince reveal was kind. It was. It was. It was shocking for a few seconds, and then it was just like, oh no! Like you know, it was because they were teasing it was going to be Jade the Snake. Really? Vince in the ring that night. I heard it was going yeah. to be Christopher Daniels, which oh, would have been class, but then no. Nope. They were just throwing out loads of names. Um, oh, one of them, which is funny, is uh, when um, Sean's injured in early 98 and they're building up this eight man tag of DX and the Outlaws against Austin, Cactus Jack, Terry Funkin, Owen Hart. And what a strange but awesome team. Right? So, Owen, uh, sorry, Sean's legit injured, but they don't say that. I think they just say like, he's got the flu or something like that because mm. they're saving him for mania at this point. Aye. So that like, even on the event, they're like, when you think about who Triple H and Shawn Michaels knows, the choices could be mind-boggling. So the teaser so, like, national it, it, it's the outsiders. Yeah. In the partner with Savio Vega. And <laughs> 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 which I mean, but in terms of who do we trust in a match, Savio Vega. Yeah. Who will make people give a shit? Not Savio Vega. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I remember, Great wrestler who the fans won't care about. Yeah, I remember that one being a bit bad. A lot of the reveals. 
Uh, it's always a reveal, I think, that's the fucking letdown in wrestling angles. Oh, I don't know. It's subsequently now for me, it's like, because DDP's reveal is the story, a tremendous. Yeah, but then everything that happened to him. Worst thing that happened to him. Yeah. yeah, and when Steph came out as the ECW owner, it was just like, oh, <sighs> no, but it was kind of like, but then as soon as SmackDown that week happened, you were just like, oh, that was the worst thing that's ever happened. Because that, that Raw is when we'll have to do that Raw. Yeah. For the amount that goes on, it's a year's worth of angles in that one. I'll hour. happily do that because it's oh, um, So it's, yeah, in terms of like reveals and stuff, certainly Sobio <laughs> eighth man. Uh, but I mean, at least it wasn't Mabel as the third man. <laughs> <laughs> That's become such a famous like, cliche, hasn't it? <laughs> so yeah, how about, how about you? For me, it's when they were teasing for ages that Vince McMahon was going to have a son. And it seemed like it was going to be Mr. Kennedy. And then it was Hornswoggle. Like, yeah. what a fucking lame letdown. It's again, like you said, be predictable. You said it earlier. If people have guessed it's him, that doesn't mean they don't want it. Well, the the um, the anonymous general manager was Hornswoggle as well. Was it? Yeah. Is he just the go-to uh, no for some shit? It's just I way... stopped watching during that period I'd been watching because my girlfriend at the time was into it. And that... General Manager Anonymous was just too shit. It's a way to kill an angle very quickly. It, it was Hornswoggle all along. Actually, no, to be fair as well, uh, when uh, they did the whole thing of, like, did Nash help uh, Triple H or whatever during the punk... Oh, I texted angle. myself. I texted myself. I, I still use that line all the time as a laugh. <laughs> like, I broke into your office and texted myself from your phone. <laughs> There's another terrible reveal that I think... Is not quite as bad as the Hornswoggle one. Oh, Rikishi running over Austin, surely. Well, that's, that's, that's that's the shit one. as well. That's <laughs> shit. And this is still the one for me. Okay. The leader of Aces and Eights turning out to be Bully Ray. Right. Because it's really shocking at first, and when they do the reveal, and everyone starts throwing stuff in, like when Hogan turned heel in 96. Yeah. And then you really quickly, after it's happened, realise none of it makes sense. There's like the entire angle, and like, oh, so why did you get beat up by Devon at this point? And like, if you were the leader and you were hit with a fucking ball peen hammer, like, what what were you doing? And like, the nitro, the nitro, the impact after that, they do like in between every match, Bully Ray's sat like a Scooby Doo villain being like, when I could have got away with it, <laughs> and he's just like explaining everything he did, like, in between all the matches, and it's fucking terrible. And the more he tries to make sense of the story that's happened, the more it doesn't. Right. So, Bully Ray is leader of Aces and Eights is one of them. Hornswoggle as Vince's son is the worst. <laughs> we did actually get five questions today. But okay, can I just say, what, when Hornswoggle came out as Vince's son, they were teasing who Vince's mum was and they brought out like Sonny. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Um, we did get five questions today, but three of them are all war games related and kind of either fantasy booking or about modern war games. So I was thinking I'd save them for us doing an episode on the mm. modern war games at NXT and that. So the only other non-war gamesy question was from Bob. And he said, Sledgehammer McGill is probably the jobber with the coolest name unless Brooklyn Brawler counts. Did the Brooklyn Brawler ever beat anyone and does he qualify as a jobber? I think that one's a one for you. Oh, no, I would say he's not a jobber. Um, Interesting. He's not a jobber because I mean, he pinned Triple H on a SmackDown once. So of all the wins that Brooklyn Brawl has had, Triple H. He won a uh, he won a battle royal in Madison Square Garden to get a title shot against Michaels. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, as wow. Home, as hometown favorite and stuff like. He would like. I'm I, glad you answered this and not me. He would ironically <laughs> win matches, I think. Um, yeah. And but like kind of modern day equivalent would be like Peter Avalon. Yes. So like, but that's the thing. Like jobbers to me. Were, or Johnny Swinger. 
Yeah, I mean, like even jobbers at the time though weren't even really to me the Barry Horowitzes etc because they would open up a garden show of like a twenty minute match. Yeah, it's like just the curtain jerk. They were yeah. curtain jerkers. They were jobbers. The real jobbers um, are like, "Hello, I'm Steve McSteve," and then they get beaten in like ten t- seconds. Yeah, yeah exactly. coloured boots, like the hometown yeah. heroes and all. Yeah. where wrestling isn't their first job. And they just get kicked shitless before they go back to being a teacher the next day or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no brawler. I mean, because the thing is, when he even when he was Steve Lombardi, he was kind of he was having the competitive matches against, uh, you know the. Jimmy Jack Funks or whatever, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't against Hogan. Um, but he got introduced straight into a storyline. It was tremendously... Uh, it was when Rooster turned face and uh, Bobby Heenan was like, look, I'll, let's just let... I Bobby never knew if Rooster was heel or face because everyone's just like, that, <laughs> that shit, he is a chicken. Yeah, <laughs> even well into his WCW run, they were still chatting Rooster. Yeah, yeah, he was fucking doomed. Then. It's like when Mantar turned up in ECW as a mafia boss and they're still mooing at him and shouting Mantar. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, um, uh, Roller shows up and hits Monsoon with a chair. And, um, and then it's actually got some illustrious opponent Triple H Gorilla Monsoon the, Shawn Michaels the start attacking Rooster and it leads to Rooster against Heenan at Mania and uh, Brawler's there for it so he's Rooster mani- versus Heenan at Mania what Mania is that? Mania 5 it's like a 30 second match like, I, that, I just don't remember that but if it's 30 seconds I might have like, not noticed well, Brawler it. comes in the ring and attacks Rooster as well so he was managed I mean, oh, there's a fan favourites video where they've blatantly just used the matches from that night's house show but what they've done is they've gotten randoms from the audience or plants to go, I want to see Coco Beware against Brooklyn Brawler. And that's look, the here match. it is. Yeah, yeah it's who the fuck wants to see <laughs> yeah. Coco Beware against every match would be like, Hogan Warrior. <laughs> like yeah, every all time. the time. <laughs> <laughs> Savage rude. Not Coco Beware <laughs> the Brooklyn Brawler. And it was always a heel against the face as well. It wasn't proper, like, Brett against... Just dream matches you know. of faces and faces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is what you would end up with. So, yeah, no, so Brawler, um, he... You know, don't get us wrong, he lost most of the matches and he was usually on someone's debut match as well, like Rocky Maivier or whoever. Break in. And, um, well, let's not go down that road of jokes. Like, <laughs> don't mean it like well, that. Well, one of the Monsoon and Heenan ball was like he was, you know, a graduate of the Terry Garvin school. All right, I didn't, I didn't mean bombing. I forgot. <laughs> this was a non molestation But he got comment. mentioned enough to be like, you know, which is, I mean, so uncomfortable to see now because they would really drag that out, especially with Alfred Hayes on commentary. <laughs> you know. Um, so, um, yeah, no, yeah. Um, it would be open and match kind of stuff, but yeah, he was at the arena against Al Snow in <laughs> really? and he came out with Patterson and Bristol. Speaking of similar characters like that, Al Snow, like, yeah, he yeah. lost shitloads like that and was funny. <laughs> so yeah, Brawler came out with Patterson and Briscoe, and uh, he was like the the hired hand to help beat Al Snow, who was being the pain in Pat Patterson's arse. You're at it again. You're at it again. And uh, then Brawler got fired, or like on the house show, you know. Um, But there's a World Tour 91, which is on there, and it's tremendous. It's Alfred Hayes trying to teach etiquette lessons to Brawler and Sherry in a restaurant. What the fuck? I need to see this. They are having an absolute ball with this. Um, (laughs) It sounds dumb as hell in the best way. (laughs) Yeah. So, no, Brawler was, you know, and especially on tours, on UK Rampage tours and stuff like that, he would be not on the first match because. Hogan wasn't over you know what I mean no yeah. warrior so they would have time wasn't over as in hadn't come over he yeah, hadn't come well, over right um, so you know a, a long short answer to the long question uh, he wasn't <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say he was a jobber well there you have it Bob there's a there very you. definitive answer <laughs> <laughs> thank you everyone for, for money. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming along with us on this uh, 
Flying Brian excursion as he goes to a loose cannon. Flying Brian out of a loose cannon. Nah, it's a shame it wasn't the other way around, doesn't it? <laughs> Could have been dead circusy. There's literally nothing about Pillman on the network that isn't worth watching. Yeah. Um, oh, the match against Liger at Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, just if you want, like, potentially what is considered his greatest match. Uh, but, you know, watch him and uh, him against Flair or him against the Midnight Express. Uh, I mean, Cornette does talk about the greatest angle which got filmed, which never got used because they were too scared of using it, where the Midnight Express went after Pillman's throat. Oh, really? And they did the throat cancer angle. And wow, because like, of the polyps and that. Yes, Jesus. and they were like, this, won't, uh, this isn't suitable. And they was like, it's not like, suitable. Well, no, but if you want to get Pillman insanely over and have him win the title potentially against Flair or whatever. I would not want them to do that. They were right to not do that. That would have been like if they did something like that with Roman Reigns. Like, no, no, you don't fucking want that. That's a good point. Let's have some taste and decorum and that's coming from me. They had had Moxley come out and mock Roman Reigns' leukaemia and he was like, I hated myself. Oh my God. That was one of the reasons why he was... That That would make me want to leave a company. Especially when Reigns isn't on screen as well. To defend oh, himself or whatever, Jesus. but yeah, he That's said way too far. He said that was horrendous, but uh, yeah, no, so um, yeah, watch any and all Pillman that you can get your hands on. The WWE documentary is worth watching because the footage is there, but the dark side of the ring is arguably the best they've done so far, and that's saying something. The, like, the documentary that's not dark side, it's not like full of spin like loads of their other shitty ones, it's just not very in depth. It's not in well, that's the thing though, as well. The um, you know, is life is fascinating enough that you can go into his, uh, not just the story. The dark side does, it virtually mentions nought to do with the in the ring stuff. No. It's just the fascinating life he had outside of it. it it's worth bringing up as well that, because uh, Vince McMahon hates Phil Mushnick, the New York Post yeah, I know. Uh, writer, and uh, he used Pillman's death as an excuse to shine a light on deaths in wrestling, even though it was a natural death. But his dad um, died similarly, didn't he? The yeah. congenitive. There were, the words, the, congenitive there were pain pills yeah. and stuff, but it wasn't an overdose. It wasn't. Any, it was just no, his heart stopped. Same one night. as his dad. Yeah. Um, and this was when Cornette was doing his shoots on TV. And this is like, even if you really hate Cornette, you, you would respect him for doing this. Because mm-hmm. he's just like, why am I bringing him up? Because he used Pillman's death as a. You know, and he's just. Because that is disgusting. He lays into Mushnick, like. And um, then. <laughs> Because of that, because they're like, if you're angry at Phil, this is the Vince idea. If you're angry at Phil Mushnick, here's his address. <laughs> like, <laughs> and put, I'm mad as hell at the top, and then here's his office address. So all, you know, the office, what the office delivery person would have been like, there you go, Phil. There's only a eight mail. If, um, <laughs> if I could, if I could give us point like that, then for ridiculous shit for us to go home on for this show. Yeah. <laughs> In a similar way about shitting on people. Oh, what was he called? The mad bastard who ran UWF, not Bill Watts. Oh, Herb like Abrams. This. Herb Abrams. Yeah. He uh, uh, he had like someone come out as as like little Davy Meltzer or something like that, and he gets like squashed in seconds by someone like it might be Doctor Death actually. Yeah. And he gets like a sheet of paper shoved in his mouth and then dirt put in his mouth, and it's just like there you go, there's your dirt sheet. <laughs> it's oh, just like man. what the hell? Like no, don't do that. Sim, don't. <laughs> like, this this journalist might be a bell end, but let's not give his address out. <laughs> Oh, well, that's that's the thing. The next week, like uh, Jim Cornette was like, "Oh, we've got loads of letters," and you know, just to show it was to show the diversity of wrestling fans. So you had a four-year-old laying it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, but uh, no, Pillman is amazing, and it was actually emotional being at the chat with his son for a previous episode as well. But I, I tried not to make it. I love your dad, 
for two hours. You know Aye, what I mean? But like, he, this was earlier in Junior's career. I really was. I mean, and he understood as well. But like, you know, but but there was still lots to talk. And he was just thankful that I didn't ask him. Were you in the house when Austin had the gun and all that? No, kind that's of bullshit. But everyone asks that as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, great stuff, Warner. Uh, thank you for um joining us for this. It's a celebration. That's the thing we like talking about things we either like to laugh at in a fun way or really, or really just like. And this yeah. is the, this might not be as funny as you're used to, but like we both really love right Pullman. So like. <laughs> but, but, when when the stuff's good, there's not much to laugh at. No, that that is true. Um, but yeah, no, thank you again, and uh, we will see you all next week. Bye.